Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It's just after 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Uh, we are live and I'm John Heindorf and it's good to have you company. It is series 16, uh, episode number 31. Sorry, I was just looking for my cricket scores uh, to try and tell you uh, that we were definitely live. I'll catch them up in a moment. Um, this evening's food was the vote winning at a visit at Cayman um, Cayman Jerk Chicken great success tonight Nick Damon yeah, marvellous did you enjoy that yeah it was very nice how was the uh, how was the spice on that uh, the spice was nice it was warm without the burn and uh, was the amount of scotch bonnet in that enough I think the uh, original stated amount may have been a tad too much. Yeah, good job the responsible adult was being very responsible. Uh, very responsible. Uh, on a packed, oh, sorry, uh, up in London, Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. Good evening, Nick. Good evening. Um, on a packed programme tonight, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features. Uh, we'll uh, have Nick Damon's team-by-team review of the Hungarian Grand Prix. Uh, we'll be joined by Shay Adam for some IndyCar news. And the two of them together will be playing Dale of the Century with you, John. Excellent. Oh. Um, we we also have... None uh, of us ever win on that. No, nobody's a winner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nobody's a winner, baby. That's, that's the truth. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll yep. also have uh, Declan Brennan with us. Excellent, in hour two. Will um, he win anything? Uh, he won't win anything either. Uh, he probably will. Yeah, well, he normally Luck does, of the actually. Irish. He's normally very good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we have uh, a big interview coming up just after nine o'clock. Uh, and we'll be returning to a story that we covered last year uh, for a little update on that. Yes, uh, a big interview uh, tonight is about the growth and growth of historic racing, in uh, particularly in the UK. And Andy D. Crown, who's the man at the head of Historic Sports Car Club, will be talking to us in an interview. Uh, I'll, I'll, let's not try and make this anything else. I recorded it at the weekend at the Silverstone Classic, um, where I was out there driving round a bit. I'm not. I'm not going to say racing. It was wet. It was very wet, and I was in someone else's car, and it was um, interesting, to say the least. Although now, at least, Nick, I can say I've shared a track with two Porsche Porsche 908s, a, a 
sorry, two Peugeot 908s. I've got uh, Ben Edwards' disease from the weekend. Uh, uh, a Porsche Spider and a 956 as well. And you lapped all of them. Not exactly. <laughs> Part of that is, is not right. Um, we're going to start the show as normal tonight. Um, and then there'll be a little bit of a change. And you'll understand why uh, later on. Hello to everybody who's tweeted in at Specutainment. Let's go through the apologies for absence from the Colonel. Catching up on the pod. Uh, Fernando Blunt, not half bad. May have a bright future ahead. Uh, hello to Mortis Mad Men who dug out the brolly clip of... Uh, that's very good. Of, uh, uh, of it was Simon and I, wasn't it, on uh, Mortis back in the day, after Johnny Palmer and Paul O'Neill on ITV at the weekend. Uh, it was good. It was. Uh, hello to Nick, who says he's looking forward to the podcast. My weeks always ho- improve when I hear that. Hooray! Yeah! 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 Uh, if they don't penalise based on the... Uh, and people the think that... Oh, you say that people... You say oh. people don't tune in for uh, Formula One, but they obviously do. Well, they don't. They only want his array. Maybe. He says, anyway, if they don't... Look, for, Formula One, team by team, is one of the best things this show does. And it's the, it's all anybody needs to know about Formula One, isn't it, Nick? Well, I'd be blowing my own trump if I said yes, but no, I'm very modest. It was a great idea so, I had. <laughs> it was Tim's great idea, yeah. Yeah, OK. Uh, if they don't penalise uh, based on the resulting fraction, how do you get a jump from five to ten seconds to five good places? That seems like a big jump. Ooh, I'm, I'm not sure we're even going to go into that. Hello to Sir Phil tonight, to Chris Tipper, uh, listening live uh, this evening. And uh, hello to... Where are we? Sarah Rigby, uh, who's with us uh, this evening as well. At Specutainment, please, if you'd like to get in touch. My scroll is not working uh, as well as it should. Um, Kevin Payne, listening live tonight. Uh, Matt Endine has been carrying out testing at the first hydrogen house. Uh, that was his work. That's just outside Newcastle. Apparently. Oh, hydrogen. Hey, I see what you mean. A hydrogen home. Yes, I see. Uh Long road trip to Newcastle. Well, it wouldn't have been if you lived up there. Let's be honest. Um, what should I say except EFAs? Midweek mum time, says right turn lover. Stephen Lloyd, bring on the banter tonight. This is all on At Specutainment. Uh, listening live tonight, the sim racing bar steward reflecting on the fantastic job the marshals do. We'll be talking about that in a moment. Rob Chalmers, EFA saving the show for the drive up to Middlesbrough tomorrow for the... British 24-hour cart race. Is that a land bar? Is it? Excellent. Um, up to Smoggy Land, as it's known in the yeah, northeast. Teeside. Middlesbrough. Teeside. Teeside karting. Teeside cart. It's a bar, though, isn't it? I don't know. What used to be Langbar, yeah. Thomas Smets listening during work on Friday with the best sound of morning and star. Can't hear. Can't wait to hear the review of RC Racing's uh, Grand Prix. Uh, Dave Alcock tuning in live. Um, I know your team always take the time to express the gratitude for the marshals. What will the broadcasters take note? As I said, more about the marshals in a moment. The hello to Matt Ending, to Dave Alcock, all great down on the Fylde coast. Uh, Kevin Payne, and 
Uh, George, I hope you found us on RS1. Uh, let me just tweet that as I'm going along. Multitasking here. Both hands working. Uh, and uh, also, hello to Alex Gould. Apologies from Alex. Uh, Historic Racing News, follow us tonight. The greatest driver never to win Le Mans. And that is going to be a long show. I'll tell you that now. Mm. Um, looking forward well, got to you in it. that. It has got me. Alexander Orton. Also, Unctious. do you want to know who Sorry, else is on. in it? Yeah. Uh, Steve Holter. Uh, someone who I know that Nick has worked with in the past. I know Steve very well, yes. Uh, We'll be talking about his new book on the subject of John Cobb. Oh, very good. Speed records and such like. Alexander Orkin. And also, Kenny Beck will be on the show. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Orkin listening after an unctuous winning weekly Wednesday dinner of sausage stew and tiny potatoes. Chris Suku, no AFAs. Uh, neither in the study nor multitasking. <gasps> what are you doing? Eric Offerdahl listening this afternoon where he is washing and waxing the 944 ahead of the IMSA weekend at Road America. Fine, man. Could do my 968 as well, could you? Please. It's looking a bit disreputable at the moment. No AFAs and not in the bath tonight, says Doug Amner. I still can't, I still can't forget that, Doug. You solidly did my head in. Uh, 3D printing is on the menu tonight for Ryan Parkins. He's trying to get the, his head round it and listening to it as well. Jack Gabriel just having uh, dried from a wet Silverstone Classic and has put a beautiful picture of a Ford Capri. <gasps> Be still my beating heart. Dave England, AFA, up in the morning and uh, hoping to hear a slightly less gushing review of last week's F1 that... What? Uh, compared to everyone else what? that we've heard. Nick doesn't do gushing re- re- reviews of anything. He's just facts. straight. The great Gonzo, no absence tonight. Michael Wallace, no AFS for the first time ever. Uh, I am the Orcon of the evening, just slightly less talented. Uh, Stiggy Nugslet, catching live from Ohio. Mark Barronsward, Brody Volsenholm, the rain line just outside of Atlanta. Jim Iam, Mickey Heth. And Carol Brink in as well tonight. Slightly different start to the show tonight, which means no music for this. Let's start tonight with the awful news uh, from Brands Hatch and the Brick Car at the weekend of the death of a volunteer marshal, uh, Robert or Rob Foote, former mayor of Epsom and Ewell Borough Council in Surrey and a serving councillor. Uh, once uh, was working at the weekend on one of the marshal's posts when a car taking part in the uh, meeting spun off the track and hit two people on Saturday afternoon. The There is an investigation going on at the moment by the coroner and the police and, of course, by Motorsport UK as well. Described uh, by... His friends and family is a pillar of the community who would do anything for everyone, for anyone. You just couldn't wish to meet a nicer man. Uh, died doing something he really loved doing, said one of his friends. Uh, and it was a massive shock to all of his friends and family. He was uh, a member of the Ham and Petersham Rifle and Pistol Club. Uh, inclu- had many interests, including shooting, sailing, motorsports and mechanics. 
and uh, also served the community, as we said, as a councillor and uh, a mayor. The Goodwood Marshals Club said Mr Foote was a, one of its members, also acted as a volunteer marshal at the circuit in Sussex. The uh, racing meeting was suspended on Saturday but continued on Sunday uh, with a minute silence around the country at all of the circuits and uh, that will happen again at all of the next meetings. Um, you know what we think about marshals. I'm incredibly honoured to be an ambassador for the British Motor Racing Marshals Club and I was reflecting on coming home on uh, on Saturday after a really tough day for everybody both in and particularly out the cars at Silverstone when the weather couldn't make its mind up for five minutes what it was going to be and it was an extremely long day for the marshals at Silverstone on the Grand Prix circuit for the classics and I came back and I was reflecting on that and on my slowed down lap I did what I always do flashed the lights if the cars got them waved the marshals came out and gave me a great wave and everything like that and I came home to that news on Saturday night the next day all of those volunteers were back out at post doing exactly what you would have expected them to do, making sure that our sport can continue. It's an awful reminder that motorsport is dangerous. I know that says that on the ticket. And I know that every marshal, every time they go and sign on, knows that absolutely. But just do me a favour, will you? Just remember the marshals the next time you go to a racetrack. And just remember that all of them are doing it for the love of the sport. I've seen an awful lot talked about in the last few days about providing helmets or extra safety equipment or even getting people paid if you actually talk to the marshals which i'm fortunate enough to be able to do quite a lot of them don't want that they don't want that at all because they think it would attract the wrong sort of person they do it for the love of the sport and that's what rob foot was doing on saturday when he lost his life we offer our condolences to all of the marshalling family and particularly his friends and family from midweek motorsport So let's move on to our top story, because if we know anything, we know that motorsport continues. And Tim has been shuffling his papers and has this. Uh, we're going to start uh, by introducing Nick Damon, who's our Formula One correspondent, because we're going to do some Formula One news. You said you were going to turn him down, John. I got, I, I, you told me to turn him up because he was mumbling. Yeah, he well, he was. I wasn't projecting, again, you now. said. Yeah. Well, now, love, we're on. We're on now, darling. Yeah, you see what happens. You see what happens. So there's been some tyre testing going on with uh, some... Yes, there uh, so has on. been. Top story is tyre testing. Is it a slow news week in Mortis? Not at all, but you'll understand why uh, yes. we're talking about tyre testing, because it's not about the tyres. It And the tyres. It's, it's about, about so. Hang on, this is tire testing. That's not about the tires. Well, it is as far as Pirelli are concerned. Is this is this like um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which was not about being a spy? Exactly. It's exactly right. Or indeed like about right, being okay. a tinker, or a tailor. Oh, was it about? I thought it was about making suits in Saddle Row. Is it no. not? Oh. So right. what was it about then, Nick? If he it did wear Saddle Row suits, though, didn't he? Yes. 
<laughs> Don't get more distracted than yes. we already are. It was are. about who was driving the cars in the test because all a lot of the teams decide not to have their real drivers or their currently signed drivers because they're very tired. They did have real drivers, have, I promise yes, you. They, they weren't, weren't AI drivers, yeah. yeah. Uh, they decided to have different people in their cars to drive the cars in the test, which of course for the 18-inch tyres for Pirelli, which are coming in next year, and using cars which obviously have been adapted uh, to be able to handle those, because it's a very, very different suspension arrangement for the 18-inch tyres. So who did Alfa Romeo Sauber have in their car? They had uh, Theo Porcher, mm. um, who is third in F2. Mm. Um, uh, and obviously one of the rising stars of, uh, of that class, and actually testing for a team that might have some vacancies, which is obviously not the same for a lot of the BF2 guys when most of the teams are already full up. So sure if, you're a, if, you're a, if you're an Alpine junior driver, you'll be sitting there thinking, oh, after the race, because that's not going to happen now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, at least the Alpha do or Alpha Saba have up to two spaces available next year. Is it, is it Alpha Saba or is it just Alpha Romeo? Well, this is the, he's the Sauber junior driver. Because oh, Alfa Romeo are naming rights, but Sauber's the team. We, we all know that, but yes, it okay. is Alfa Romeo. You're absolutely right, John, but I was right. trying to explain it out. Yes, but so, so that, was, that was Teo. Do we think Teo Brescher will be in a Sauber next year? No. no. I think, I, I'm going to say this right now. Where, what date is it? August 2nd? August 4th. 4th. August 4th. I think it's going to be Valtteri Bottas and Callum Eilat next year. Oh, dear. Mm. Yep. That's what I think it's going to be next year. Okay. I might be wrong on the Callum Eilat one. Well, I, yeah, I, so I, I think he's got a sports car drive to fill his days. To look after. Mm, it, I think that was more up in the air. And, might, you know, and it's possible with the right amount of sponsorship Robert Schwartz might get there as well. But okay. I think Taylor Bush is a better cash. driver than Callum Eilat as well. I think Robert Schwartz was a better driver than both of them. I think Eilat's one of those late developers. I think he's improved. Anyway, it's, it's, it's an interesting moot point, but that's my first prediction of, of August. Based <laughs> and don't on forget, we have, sorry Tim, we have no races for the next month, so we're going to be filling it with a lot of filler, which are items and speculation. Based on uh, what else we've seen uh, in the Pirelli tyre test, who do we think will be driving for... Mercedes next season. Well, I don't know. They decided not to use um, Lewis, who had done the full day's testing. At Lewis is still not very well. Is no, he? he's not. We'll talk about that. that that's later. that's the other bit of news. It's interesting, actually. I mean, I, that, that came out. Perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll pull that in, in, in a separate point. But um, uh, and they didn't use Valtteri because he obviously was suffering from whiplash from his own accident. Um, so they thought, well, we'll find some guys who had quite a good weekend round there. And they put George in the car. George Russell um, did the tyre testing. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the momentum behind George driving for Mercedes next year is, is growing apace, as is the fact that and it's now being openly discussed that Valtteri is going somewhere else. Which is obviously good news for, for, for Toto, because he still owns an interest in Valtteri. So uh, it's, it, Mr. Wolf is a winner both ways. Every wolf's a winner. What, what yeah. does um, Jacques Villeneuve think should happen? That he um, should be back in the car. Do you know what? Honestly, um, I haven't that seen everybody's this. Everybody's race suits I are too tight. He, does he, does he th- he, he's going to say that they should get Espen Ocon back as he got off this weekend. No, he thinks Mercedes should uh, get um, a stroll in the car and that Bottas should go to uh, Aston Martin. What nationality is Jacques Villeneuve? He's Canadian. What nationality is Stroll? He is also Canadian. And was he doing this in a Canadian uh, 
publication. Yes. Yes. By yes. chance. Well, there we go. That's that one sorted out then. Um, Nicely done, Nick. Um, <laughs> Miss Marple, not required. No, yeah, yeah. that is not CSI uh, Jacques Villeneuve, is it at all? No. It's just like, uh, I need to read a quote. Can you say something Canadian? Yes, I can. And uh, obviously, no. uh, this tyre test, um, because we've got nothing to compare it to, the times aren't relevant and they haven't told us what they no. are anyway, have they? No, because they are different size tyres. The cars would be uh, different. So they're back on the 18s, were they? They're on the 18s. And the cars are obviously cobbled together in certain ways. Uh, interesting, um, Williams announced this week they wouldn't have the finance to be able to do that. So they're dropping out of their um, allocated rate, allocated test days. Because everyone's been able yeah. to test. We've got to build a mule car, of course. And they can't afford to build a mule car. So my guess that is... That doesn't come out of... That, that's, no, no, no. That's not just affordable that's, because of no, cost cap. Just that's can't just afford not, it. I don't have the cash. Just can't afford it, yeah. Right, OK. Um which those days will be offered to the other teams. We've already seen Ferrari picking up a day that um, Mercedes, Mercedes didn't want for wet testing. Um, so it'll be offered out, and those days will be snappled up by other teams who will be much happier to use it. Uh, which Formula 2 driver mocked Nicholas Latifi on Twitch at the weekend? Let me see. Now, who would we think would be someone who would open their mouth before thinking in Formula 2? Yes. Good old Danny Tictum. Dick Tantrum. Who described Nicholas Tifi as poo. Luckily, we actually say we did. Actually, was poo, he said. No, no, which it could have been worse. You could have called him Piglet. He could have done, absolutely, or even worse, Eeyore. Kanga. Kanga's nice. Kanga's good. She's a lovely mummy. It's Eeyore. Eeyore. Which Formula 2 racer has been released from his Williams Development Program test contract? Is it Dan Titchen, even though the two things had nothing to do with each other, according to his tweet? Well, we've only got his word for that, haven't we? I'm, you sit there. With, you, the thing about Dan is Dan is um, eminently quotable and he is reasonably quick. But you sit there thinking, how much of his, uh, how does he walk, John? Mm. How does he walk when he's comprehensively shot himself in the foot about four hundred times? It's like I'm sure he's got any there's flesh a, at all down there. There's a part of me that keeps thinking that he's learned his lesson. <laughs> and then I watch another F2 race and realise he hasn't at all. But there's also a part of me that quite likes him because, you know, in a Gallagher and Lyle moment, look it up, kids, uh, he does wear his heart on his sleeve. No, I mean, he's fine. I have no issue with his, his, his media goal. We're talking about him again because he's done another massively stupid thing. It's great. In, the, in this world of, you know, pre-packaged carefully double-checked tweets. It's fantastic. He's just talking rubbish the whole time and shooting himself. It's great. Um, sugar, don't they, John? No, that's Tate and Lyle. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but very... You can ask Chris about that. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Tate and Sandy Lyle. What a combination. Yeah, exactly. Oh, now, there's a... I actually, actually would lis- listen to that... Um, As podcast. a podcast. podcast. There we go. Yeah. Yes. I would. Anyway, moving on. Uh, let's talk about Formula 3. Rather not. Right, at this point... Uh, unless well, in that unless case... Is it about real Formula 3? No, it's Formula not. Or Formula 3 losing naming rights? Because uh, Nick knows where we're going here. The uh, BRDC British Formula 3 Championship has been yes, rebranded which... as GB3. Because they've been told they can't call themselves F3 by the FIA. Well, they'll have to rebrand that again because everything GB is becoming UK as the 1st of September, so they've only got a month of that. 
Well, they can stick they can stick the labels back of the car, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's um, I think it's appalling, really. The British Formula Three Championship has been the backbone of motorsport ladder since the seventies. Perhaps probably before that, actually, because the original Formula Three, the five hundred cc cars, of course, were running with um, with Sterling. So it, you know, and the championship, the British Formula Three Championship, was the one to be in up until what the mid nineties, Tim. Um, yes, even later than that, if you talk to people like Jean-Luc Verne, who won it in 2006. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, you know, it's now going through... But, and let's be really honest about this. There isn't really any real Formula 3 anymore because all of it is, uh, has gone to single chassis. Um, but I think, that's, I think that's really disingenuous of the FIA and the copyright's not required and I just don't understand what... The, I don't, it's one of those nasty little things you see occasionally being done which, you know, you, you think, oh, what's the point of that? That just makes you look petty. Of course, this isn't the British Formula 3 Championship um, no, which ended yeah, in 2014. Um, this is the championship that was previously called the BRDC F4 Championship, but then couldn't be called F4 anymore because it wasn't F4, um, and was previously Formula Palmer Audi. With different cars entirely. Uh, Jonathan Palmer said, I'm extremely saddened by the fact we're no longer permitted to use the British Formula 3 name. Well, you would be, but you've been using it without any real justification for five years. So Here comes, you, here come, here comes, this, here comes the junior single-seater edge from TMA. You, you've How got dare a, you? You've got How quite a lot you? out of it. Um, obviously, uh, FIA F3, uh, which is what they call it, not Formula 3, isn't also Formula 3. For the reasons no, that John neither expounded is, neither earlier. Neither is W Series. W Series is probably the closest we've got to Formula 3. Yeah. Mm. Excitingly. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, but anyway. Do you remember, are we all old enough to remember when British F3 was absolutely a, a must-have yes, on, a, on a young driver's... Yes. Because there was... And at the time, I criticised yeah. it because I thought the uh, power-to-downforce ratio was absolutely irrelevant to any other form of racing you'd ever do. And yet... And it's not anymore. Do we look back now and go, those were the golden days, my friend? Well, I like the idea that there were more than one end. chassis manufacturer, more than one engine manufacturer, and I at one point, more than one tyre manufacturer... <laughs> Don't mm, even get do? me started on that stuff. Mm. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we move down to Formula 4. The mm-hmm. Formula 4 right. British Championship certified by the FIA and powered by Ford EcoBoost, to be specific, uh, because mm-hmm. it's got a new organising body. What is it now, the BARC or the BRSC? It's now going to be run by Motorsport UK, previously the MSA. Okay, direct rule. Having been run uh, up to now by Ford Performance, because of course it was previously Formula Ford. Right. Uh, Hugh Chambers, who is the CEO of Motorsport UK, said the F4 British Championship, certified by the FIA and powered by Ford EcoBoost, is embarking on an exciting new chapter of Motorsport UK. Is excited, delighted to be leading its evolution. The step represents an important milestone in the governing body's sport development strategy, and we want to further develop the series as the best platform from which rising stars can continue on their pathway to international competition. We've been conducting a tender for chassis and engine supply, and we look forward to announcing these plans and more about our promotional platform shortly honestly i have no comment on that it's a fantastic piece of uh, of automatically generated uh, pr speak wasn't it uh formula four in its formula forward guys started in 1967 mm. uh they've also announced that um from 2022 for three years it will uh continue to run as a support race for the british touring car championship 
good stuff. What uh, does moving on? What does the following have in common? Excellent, I love these. Right. Tom Chilton. Right. Yeah. Seb Morris. Right. right. So Tom Chilton, British touring car driver, and other things. Seb Morris, uh, British former GT British champion, GT in 20 champion. champion. Yeah. Yeah. Ari Leyendijk. Uh, Indy 500 champion, among other Twice. things. Mm-hmm. Ross Warswick. They're, <laughs> they're all... Formula Renault also ran. And <laughs> Jack Barlow. Uh, Jack ba- a farmer, a former, former character BRDC on, on Coronation Street. On Coronation Street. BRDC F4 race winner. Uh, they all come from Bolton. Well, no, because Harry Lindock's um, Dutch. Yes, Might and Seb Morris was from Cheshire, and Tom okay. Chilton's from Rygate. Okay. Um, they're all managed by the same person. And Jack Barlow's from Wur- oh, Rye in East Sussex, isn't he? They're not right. all managed by the same person. They all have an A in their names. No, Ross Tom Chilton doesn't. doesn't. Tom Chilton doesn't. <laughs> and <laughs> Seb Morris doesn't. Brilliant. So what they, they don't have an A in their name. Are we trying to pick the odd one out here? Or what no, they all have they've in all got the same thing in common. Okay. I don't know. Uh, They've all <laughs> um, been written about in a motorsport magazine once. <laughs> As racing drivers, you would hope they had been. Uh, they've all been on, on TV cards, dating then. shows. Um, oh, well, I knew that for Seb Morris, but I didn't know about the rest of them. So, so, so Seb Morris was, was on Celebs Go on? Dating. Yes, Harry Lyndike was The Bachelor. Oh, yes, he was. When was that? Uh, no, season no, 22. No, we talked about that. We talked about that, yeah. Oh, Ari Lyndike Jr. Yes. Mm. You didn't say Jr. till now. Move uh, on. Tom Chilton was on Take Me Out. Uh, Jack Barlow oh. has just been evicted from Love Island. Um, right. And Ross Warswick was on X on the Beach on MTV. You watch way too much. No, no, it's just... Really I've never watched movies. any of these things. Any of those. Is it just, uh, You're sitting up at night watching Love Island going, Oh, Beryl! This is just a long setup into our next story, which is about uh, Australian motorsport PR guru Lachlan Mansell. Well, and commentator, he, yes. he's been on our airwaves before. Lucky, Lucky Mansell. Oh, has I've just, seen this. Has just won Beauty and the Geek, which I really feel is desperately not on message these days. Well, <laughs> it's it's a TV reality it's show. Australia. Which ones it's are? Australia. Which which ones absolutely are? Um, Lachlan is an absolutely Lackey is an absolutely fabulous guy and if you haven't seen it it is already the most watched bit of Australian motorsport this year um, and his speech at the end where he references Bathurst and everything else is absolutely outstanding I'm not going to play it now because we're getting him on the show next week Brilliant. he's on the show next week however We've had to go through the PR agency of <laughs> of the show to get him on. Seriously. He's now bigger than all of us. He's bigger than all of us. And I'm absolutely delighted for him. It was it was a reality TV show uh, called uh, Beauty and the Geek. I remember when we read about it and Eve and I both went, ah, interesting choice, Lucky. Um, however, telly love. he's telly. nailed it. He's absolutely... Nailed it. And everything that he says is exactly... Anybody who knows him, Palmer's worked with him. I've worked with him. Shea, you've worked with him as well, haven't you? Yeah, I have. And have you seen the clip? No. Oh, go and look at it. Creelsy retweeted it 
on the I think it was on at Crailsey. It might be not at the talk show, but it was it was there. And Lack is, is one of the uh, Lachlan is he's, he's just one of the most genuine lads you'll ever meet, isn't he? He really is. He's so down to earth. He loves motorsport so much. And he's intelligent with the way that, that he speaks to people and speaks about people. And I, when I first heard about the show, I, I thought it was um, something a bit mean almost. But then when you watch it and you realize that it's both parties are looking for someone to Correct. accept them. Correct. It's completely beyond any concept that you think it is. Take whatever preconceived notions you have and throw them out the window. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Absolutely right. And, uh, and uh, we're going to get him on the show next week. So uh, I was just thinking, so if, if, if they do the next series, so, so um, I'm happy to be on there, but they've got to find 10 geeky girls. No. <laughs> No, it's not. no. <laughs> who who like musicals? Well, that's that's pretty much standard. And, thing, isn't it? and do ballroom dancing. And, and I think reptiles. you're all right. I think you're actually fixed up okay. And, and yeah, I think I'd be, batting, in, I think I'd be ha- in tremendous trouble if I end up on a reality think, show. I think you're batting a little higher up the order than your average yeah, um, uh, demands yeah, at the right. moment. Uh, so well done to to Lachlan. And as I say, we'll have him on the show. Next week, uh, talking to think about all things Australian. It will be the uh, it will be on the grid tomorrow. But before it that, be. Tim, we have before that we've got the simcast, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later on. Uh, but first, we've heard the voice of Shay Adam. Hello, and there it was again. Uh, who's here to talk <laughs> IndyCar? Because they're racing again this weekend. Finally, in Tennessee. Uh, it's going to be so exciting. They're driving over a bridge twice. This racetrack that we first saw the concept of last year is finally a reality. And to be honest, I didn't realize how narrow it was going to be going over the bridge because it looks like there's a footpath on either side. So there's rather big curbs. Uh, let's find out what you know about uh, Nashville. Um... Rat row. Uh, John, you've I've been, been to Nashville, Nashville, so you should get I this. Have, yes. What is the name of the bridge? Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are several no bridges in um Yeah, which one's Nashville? past the track? Oh. Uh, where, is it the one that goes to the Bridgeton Arena? It's, it's the iron one, right? Right, so <laughs> right, there's, there's, what, there's, there's, there's one that's called the Korean Veterans Bridge. The Korean Veterans Memorial Bridge is a correct answer. Okay, right. How many okay. cars are taking part in the race this week? Sure, you will know this. Uh, 24. Okay, it's the wrong answer. It's 27. Ooh. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, oh yes, because we've got grid. a couple of wild cards, haven't we? Yes. When was yeah. the last time there were that many cars in an IndyCar street race? It's not about Nashville, though, is it? Um, Baltimore 2013? No, it's Long Beach 2013. I was going to say Long Beach. It's very close. You did. Very good. Impressive. Dang it. Uh, Who were the five drivers who are going to be in this race who have already raced Indy cars in Tennessee? Scott Dixon. Yep. Right. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray. Yep. Graham Rahal? Yep. Uh, Will Power? Yep. 
uh, why am I drawing a blank for who else has been in the series forever? That long, yes. Uh, uh Helio Castroneves. Oh, oh, Elio. Where course. was the, where was the last race in in Tennessee then? A national super speedway. Of course it was in yes. Lebanon. Of course it was not Nashville. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hosted the IndyCar so. Series eight times between 2001 and 2008. Uh, which of those five drivers won three of those races in a row? Probably Scott Dixon. Uh, probably Elio. It was Scott Dixon. Oh, <laughs> I don't think nice. 2006, 2007, <laughs> 2008. All won by wow. Scott Dixon. Uh, this is obviously a new track to IndyCar. Who was the winner last time there was a new track in the IndyCar series? Oh, so what's uh, the last new that's... track, Shea? Uh, Indy I'm going to guess Pagano at Gateway? No. Indy, what was the last new track, Tim, then? It was Baltimore in 2011. Really? Oh, man. Uh, we would have been there for that then, Shea. Uh, no, that was a year before. I was still in university at that point. Okay. Um, uh, I have no idea who would have won that. That was Will Power. Okay. Scott Dixon <laughs> is the default answer, doubt. really, let's be honest. <laughs> when in doubt, just say Scott Dixon. Yeah, or Will Power. Yep. Who was the last driver to win at a new circuit and then subsequently win the title in the same year? Mm, Dario Franchitti is correct. Oh, oh, two thousand seven. And what was the new track then? In two thousand seven. I don't know. Oh, I don't have that information. Uh, Houston, maybe. Could have been. Oh, Houston. Good call. Another one that I was at. That was uh, so bummy. Who's the Grand Marshal this weekend? Uh, Dario Franchitti. Yes, it is Dario Franchitti. Yes. Oh, nice. I, and... I know that um, John Party is playing in a concert really? on Saturday night, which makes me very upset that I'm not there. Excellent. And finally, yeah. what does Alex Palo have in common with Serena Williams? Uh, He's not playing the Olympics tennis? Win... <laughs> a desire to win everything? No. Um, is he dating the genius behind a massive social media company? Nope. Not that I'm aware oh, of. Uh, no, no, I'm out of guesses then. Chicken. Serena Williams tweeted, does anyone else lie in bed at night dreaming about fried chicken? And uh, Alex Pallow <laughs> said, yes, me too. <laughs> That's just bizarre. <sighs> I dream about breaking points into Brooklyn's in the wet. That's what I'm dreaming about at the moment. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, right, so uh, IndyCar <laughs> Nashville this weekend, uh, I'm sure. What, is it Saturday or Sunday, Shay? Uh, it's Sunday. The race is at 5.30 Eastern, so they are going to be racing into the sunset, which oh, is pretty nice. cool. Um, and they've they've got a not-too-bad support schedule as, as far as the weekend is concerned. I know that um, World Challenge is there. They've got stadium super trucks. Um, so quite a few other series will be running around and entertaining the crowds, but Remember, it's a street circuit, so if anybody hits a wall, there might be lengthy delays. So um, NBC might want to leave a little bit of buffer room off the end of it. Uh, not entirely sure the race will be done by 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, um, yes. Oh, they've got their 
Olympic coverage to think about yes. uh, as well. Uh, of course, can tomorrow I do a night tw- at can eight. Can I do a couple of tweets couple before of you move on? And I'll do that. Um, yeah, super. Um, all, all our thoughts this week and every week to all the brilliant marshals out there, says James O'Donnell. Absolutely uh, correct. Uh, thank you, George, for what you have said uh, as well. Uh, Dave Alcock, ooh, interested in Nick's prediction about Valtteri Bottas. I can see George going to Mercedes, but wondered if Bottas might go to Williams. Williams could do with Bottas' experience to improve the car. Might Mercedes cash help? No. Good. I like those quick answers. George, 100% going to uh, Mercedes next season. Highly suspect Bottas will still be in the... Uh, will, sorry, Bottas will be in the Alpha. Hmm. I think so. Okay. Where's Raikkonen going then? To the old people's home. To the yacht. But he'll be in the other Alpha. No, he will not. Boston uh, Wife, then, S- the Finnish super team. S- uh, S- S2000 says, hello from Chicago. Have you heard about Lamborghini? If you're talking about Lamborghini with a Italian LMDH, company, makes tractors. we have been talking about that for a very, very long time. And even the circumstances in which they will definitely come in in 2024, which we've also been talking about for a very, very long time on this programme and on IMSA Radio. Uh, Chris Tipper says, in New Zealand, we have the Toyota Racing Series. Isn't yes, that do. probably the closest thing to F3 nowadays? No. Nope. <laughs> I like these answers. Uh, Dave says Toto would be bad to let George Russell go anywhere else. He's the perfect wingman for Lewis. See, I don't agree with that. I don't think he wants to be anybody's wingman in his next move. Um, I think he would be prepared to pay a supporting role for the first year. Okay. Uh, I wondered if some Merc money might go to Williams to get Bottas a seat there, but if he's already going Why, to Alpha. Quick thing about this. Why do Mercedes need to pay any money for Bottas to go somewhere? He's out of... They don't have any desire to do anything with him. He's... he's yeah, not, not not being horrible about this, but what is what, why would they want to place him with another team? Kevin Payne says, except surely Giovinazzi will stay at home. No. No. Right, right, moving on. Let's move on very quickly. <laughs> Tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Simcast, and this week Angus Fender joins them to talk about his season racing for Praga in a real car. Uh, we uh, They pick apart all the iRacing news uh, revealed on the weekend charity feed, and there's the curious case of Simbin. Right, let's get an update now on a story we've been following for a little while, that of Birmingham Wheels, fantastic community programme and facility uh, that brings people into motorsport and has been going for a very, very long time now. I don't even like to think when I first went down there. And Philip Bond joins us. Uh, it's been a, a bit of a battle over the last few years, Philip, to, to say the least. What's the current status between Birmingham Wales and Birmingham City Council? Um, we know that the, the area action plan is, is trying to move you guys out. Where do we stand right now? Well, we, 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 they're trying to, uh, well, what, what we're asking them to do and the government uh, inspector, they, when they were passing the development plan and the area action plan, uh, they're, they're trying to get us uh, equivalent uh, facilities elsewhere or uh, consolidation on site. In other words, uh, get uh, the, uh, the present facilities to stay where they are and get a developer to develop the rest of the site. Um, that's where we are at the moment. We had a meeting yesterday uh, about it and uh, we are going through the uh, motions of actually trying to identify other sites 
the the council uh, have started that now. It's taken taken them eighteen months to to start looking, but nevertheless, uh, I'm I'm quite optimistic that we're uh, getting things moving now. Mm-hmm. Our problem is that uh, when all this started last year um, about uh, them wanting to uh, to get us off the site. Um, we were given a period of time to look for somewhere else. Well, nothing's happened, mainly because of the pandemic. Yes, of course. Uh, people, are, people have not been able to go out, uh, out of, you know, uh, work and this type of thing. So uh, it's, it's been, and I've asked the uh, council that my lease, which, which ends uh, in October, the end of October this year, is extended for a year to make up for the lost time because of the pandemic, nobody's done anything about it. Um, but uh, and Philip, what we should what we sh- what we should say, Philip, for those that don't know, is the reason that Birmingham Council want uh, this facility off the site is because they've got a lucrative offer to redevelop it, um, allegedly for for housing, uh, for some housing at least, uh, although it is a brownfield site rather than a greenfield. Site uh, and as you say, this has been going on for some time. The area action plan, uh, which we mentioned, um, and the government inspector, absolutely unequivocal, say that you've got to have equivalent or better uh, area to uh, to move on to or be incorporated within the site. This is designated as a as a sporting venue. We, that, that's that's the key thing here. It is absolutely, and in actual fact, that they they haven't, I don't think, got any lucrative offers yet. Um, what they're doing is they're going through the motion, and they will, you know, obviously look for our developers uh, at a later stage. But they want to clear the site first because it's contaminated site, and it's got this knotweed on. And they are saying that in order to get the knotweed off, they want everybody off the site, and that's what right. they're saying at the moment. But to be honest with you, I, I mean, I've looked into this and spoken to people about knotweed and, and shown the site to people, and, and they do say that it can be done by uh, in stages and uh, by maybe we, we might lose a few meetings here and there, uh, events here and there, uh, but it, it could be done with the uh, the present occupants of the site still on site. Right. So that's what what uh, the council are now looking at that to see if that's feasible, and uh, hopefully, hopefully they will uh, see that we'll be able to have more time to uh, identify either another site mm. or. Uh, a developer who's willing to incorporate us in the site. Well, I, I, uh, the knotweed issue, well, there's, it's been a bit of a buzzword in uh, in development uh, around, uh, even around residential uh, areas. Yeah. Uh, knotweed actually is is probably three or four um, different plants. Uh, Japanese knotweed is the one that people normally talk about, um, and uh, that's one of the big issues. But th- there are the three other plants as well in there. Um, wh- why? Why is that an issue? And why does that mean you've got to stop? It's not. It's not dangerous. It's not poisonous, as far as I'm, I'm, I'm aware. Um, it's just that the, the site couldn't be developed with it on, and therefore they want you off. But, but surely, if that's the case, then they need to use a phrase, they need to get their fingers out and find you somewhere else if they want you off. Well, that's right, and they're not going to do that in three months, and that's that's our problem. Ah, got you. Uh, it, it's absolutely impossible to actually get anywhere uh, pretty much. I mean, first of all, if we're going to a brownfield site somewhere, 
uh, they've got to get planning permission for 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 motorsport to start. Mm. I mean, they, you know, that that takes time, and then there's the, all the building of the facilities and that kind of thing. Now, as you know, with motorsport, uh, and uh, it's it's all about seasons, really. I mean, mm. you know, once you once you miss any any time uh, during the season, you, you you can't plan for next season, for instance, when you've got you get your fixture lists all, all out. Yeah. You've got to do that now for next year, yeah. and uh, and so you can't. Uh, and and the authorities are you know running the sports won't accept the fact that it, you know you put a fixture list in and you it might not happen. <laughs> you know, you've got to be sure. You've got to be sure about it. Yeah, that so, that would be uh, like. I mean, we know everybody's a little bit more. Uh, pragmatic with the current situation, of course, but you've still got mm-hmm. to submit dates. And 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 let's be honest about this, Philip. Obviously, we're interested in the motorsport side of things, but Birmingham Wheels always has been much more than just motorsport. How are how are the other users of Birmingham Wheels? Are, are they still on board with 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 your campaign and and oh, yeah. with this issue? Yeah. Everybody, everybody is. I mean, we've got we've got there. Uh, that's mainly motorsport in so much as we've got the the stock car racing, uh, we've got the uh, karting, uh, drifting, and uh, off road rallying. We've got rally rally uh, area there now, uh, but also we've got the inline skating, the speed mm. skating, um, which which is a it's a local community club. And I mean, they they've been there for forty, you know, forty five years. Yes. And it's a it's a it's a, a, a really important part of the local community that is. Yeah. And, and and they are. I mean, you know, I, I was as the meeting. Well, I've been at several meetings where tears, people are crying, you know, mm. because because they the the, the the thought of them closing Birmingham Wheels down. Um, so it's a really important part uh, of the local community in that respect. And also, obviously, the whole of Birmingham, uh, because there are a lot of people who like motorsport, as you know. And uh, if they're not doing it Birmingham Wheels, they're probably, some of them, unfortunately, are doing it on the roads. Well, and I, I always remember when I came down years ago and the the kind of initiatives that you were running with uh, the local uh, groups, including Law and Order, there was something that we exactly replicated back up in the in the northeast. And I think we talked about that the last time we had you on. Yeah. I, I've got to be honest about this. It, it was sort of semi-good news when we spoke, what, 18 months or so ago, it seems, now that you'd got your leases uh, extended. And it, and it seemed as though the, the council were being... Um, a little bit more active in in trying to find a solution. We find ourselves here, notwithstanding, of course, the issues with the pandemic, but we almost seem, Philip, as though we're back exactly where we were the last time that we spoke, with leases running out and and with no real solutions being put forward that are acceptable to you guys. Clearly, if you stop trading and, and then there's some degree of time between moving off Birmingham Wheels and getting somewhere else, that's business is going to go under. We're right back where we were. Absolutely. You're, very, you're absolutely right, really. I mean, we are very similar situation. Uh, the, the difference may be that, that because of the um, uh, kind, of, kind of a long time before it came to a head last January, um, this was on the cards and, and, and things were... The, the, the actual 
place was deteriorating. And, mm. You know, people weren't investing money in the business. Of course not. Because, but because... Since then, since then, when when I took over the lease uh, in July last year, uh, I've got uh, the, the the businesses that are there have all invested a lot of money in making the place uh, look. Uh, you know, much, much better. And the place has come alive. And I'll tell you this also, it has never, ever been as busy as it is now. Great. There are so much going on there uh, now. In these, Just since the 29th of March, was it, when we were allowed to get, yes. you know, get uh, the competition going again? Uh, that since then it is really busy. I mean, you know, do, unbelievably busy. Do I sense, Philip, that this is almost death by a thousand cuts? That you know, you mentioned the lack of investment, and that's not because of lack of uh, of the want to invest. But clearly, nobody's going to invest if their future on that site is is under a cloud, and therefore you can understand that. And that almost seems that that's been used against you by the council uh, at, at the moment. Um, you were with the council earlier on this week. I mean, what's what's the next steps and, and how, more importantly, I suppose, for our listeners, how can we get involved and how can we support you? Well, well the first thing we, 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 uh, we're doing, well, we're doing a lot of different things at the moment, uh, but one of the things is we've got an open day, uh, a week on Thursday, that's the 12th of August. Right. It's free admission for everybody, and there's going to be passenger rides and all that type of thing going on. Right. We've got the whole park, the whole park will be open and will be running, you know, the skating, the rallying, the karting, the stock cars, they'll all be there. So that's the 12th, 12th of August, did you say? 12th of August, right. and it will be from 2 o'clock. So we've got, we, we're getting the, we've invited the councillors to come in at 12 o'clock. Yeah. And they will, will be taking them round, showing them all the facilities we've got there and showing and telling them exactly. Because it's difficult sometimes to get through to the politicians, the local politicians. And we think it's, uh, I think a lot of them have never ever been to Birmingham Wheels. So we're, we're inviting them all to come. There's a hundred, there's a hundred local councillors in Birmingham. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the largest, uh, I think it's the largest council, um, or local authority in Europe or, or you know, what, uh, uh, it's a huge, huge council. So it's difficult to get through to them, but we've invited them all along to come, uh, a, a week on Thursday. And hopefully some of them, or most of them, will come. Uh, and, and, and then from 2 o'clock, it's going to be open to the public, is it? It's open to the public at, at 2 o'clock. It'll go until 7 or whenever, Brilliant. you know, in the in the evening, so that people can come after work. But with the to- the children, uh, the, the amount of children that evolved at Birmingham Wheels is amazing now. I mean, yeah. and in stock cars, there's probably about half a dozen different formulas now. Yeah. There are literally thousands of youngsters who race over over the country, but most of them will come at some time or another to Birmingham Wheels. But uh, these kids, uh, and, and, and because of the school holidays, we're hoping, obviously, a lot of you. children will come along bring their parents with them. Well, <laughs> we we know it started, uh, that kind of race, and it started the careers of people like Nick Tandy, uh, who's yep. won Le Mans and uh, started yep. in mini stocks with his brother Joe. And we yep. know how important this is. And that's before we even start about talking about the cart. And just had two lads from Sunderland, um, from my neck of the woods, from Warden Law Cart Club, who were first and second in the European champs. But if you don't have local facilities, those guys don't get the chance 
to, to well, make a start. Right. But, I mean, Lewis Hamilton, um, Jensen Button, a uh, uh, lot, lot of the Grand Prix drivers over the years have come, uh, have, uh, have been to Birmingham Wheels and raced in karting. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great, great starting point for kids. Philip, thank you very yeah. much for your time. We uh, will offer our continued support and that of our listeners collective who have been listening to this, I'm sure, intent. And if you're around about or you can get to Birmingham Wheels, go and look it up. It's easy to find. It's easy to get to. There's plenty of free parking around there. Open day, open to the public, 2 o'clock, 12th of August. That's a week on Thursday, a week tomorrow if you're listening to this programme live. Uh, Philip, thank you very much. Good luck. Fight the good fight and we wish you all the best. Thank you, John. Thank you. And now, from Norwich, it's the Quiz of the Week. Today's top prizes include a three-piece lamb suite, and as Carol's discovered, it offers the last word in couplet. It's in pale green with a rose motif, and it's on offer for £110. But now, let's meet the man who asks the questions and pays out the money. Nicholas Parsons. Right. Well, we're going to have to race through this, so I don't want any dithering. Uh, contestants today, John Heintoff. Hello, John. Uh, hello. Nick Damon. Evening. And Shay Adam. Hi. Bit of delay there for Shay. Uh, our first. Uh, it's a long way away. Yes. Our first uh, offer tonight is a mm-hmm. factory tour and lunch with Mr. Lamborghini for four people. This incredible package is an absolute must for any supercar fan. You'll visit the Lamborghini factory in Santa Garza for a guided behind the scenes tour before meeting Fabio Lamborghini, the nephew of the company's founder. He'll take you on a personal tour of the family museum, which houses a very special private collection. You'll then take the wheel of the latest Lamborghini Huracan Performante for a 15 minute test drive on local roads while you get a taste of the intoxicating performance of the brand first hand. Fabio will then take you to one of his local favourite restaurants and regale you with stories from the past and present of his most exotic (laughs) and Italian supercar manufacturers. Included in this trip is a private car and driver for the day and overnight stay at the four-star hotel in Boulogne with two test drives. That's all we have time for tonight. Only four-star. Okay. Flight's not included. Flight's not included, so go get yourself there. Sure, you can start. Uh, 3,000. What? Uh, well, all this is in pounds. pounds? So 3,000 says Shay. Right. John? Nick? Oh, no. uh, I'm going to go higher than that. I'm going to go 8,000 pounds. I'll go five then. 5,000 pounds. Well, Shay is the winner because uh, the uh, current price <laughs> for that is 3,950 pounds. Oh, Missed out by 50 quid. <laughs> Next, we have... <laughs> Uh, some James Hunt boxer shorts. Right, I'm, washed. I'm, I'm sorry. Are these James Hunt motif boxer shorts yes. or boxer shorts that were owned by James They have not James been Hunt. owned or worn by James Hunt. Because they've been... Okay. Nick, Nick to go first this time. They're Brand new in a box. £28.50. Uh, I'm going to go 50 quid. 
Oh, dang it. Um, 60. Nick's a winner over 15 pounds. But... Yeah, what a deal. If it, it pre-worn, how much are they worth then? Well, Haas F1 team, race used, yeah. rear wing end plate, uh, mm-hmm. signed by yeah. both well, drivers and Gunter Steiner. <laughs> which, which this is from drivers? 2020. Oh, right, so so really last year's drivers. Right. Okay. Uh, just an end plate, not the whole wing. Just the end plate. Okay. Um, one hundred pounds. Share. Three hundred. Nick. Two hundred. Uh, I'm going to give that to Nick because it's uh, two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, oh, that's both of them the same then. A copy of equidistant, isn't it? Yes. A copy of the book The Willing Formula by David Coulthard, signed by David Coulthard. Pound. See, if if it was unsigned, it'd be yeah, worth more. Pound, it would. It would be worth seven pounds ninety nine. I wouldn't pay a pound for it, but it's a pound. <laughs> you start that one again, Cher. Uh, twenty nine. Uh, twenty. I'll give that to Shay. Fifty pounds. And finally, <laughs> fools their money are easily parted, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. A, well, this uh, is a very low key auction compared to our normal ones. Yeah. <clears throat> a uh, experience eclipse and glamour. This is the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Enjoying the twilight race and 2021 season finale, the race has a truly magical atmosphere as day turns to night. Uh, um, You and your guest will be watching the action on Saturday and Sunday from the Harbour Club's largest trackside terrace with a fantastic view over three corners, as well as Yas Marina. Or follow the race inside the air-conditioned dining or bar area. The venue includes gourmet buffet buffet catering. (laughs) Basically, if you can't be bored with the race, we've got some food and drink for you. After experiencing Uh, (laughs) the day at the Grand Prix, you will return to the five-star hotel located on the Palm in Dubai, where you can visit attractions such as the Dubai Mall, Burj Khalifa, or soak up the sun on the Jeez. What about they, they helicopter? Otherwise, that's your entire day gone, just going to and from. Should someone not pointed out that Dubai and Abu Dhabi aren't that close? Including the apartment, no, is, is a four-night stay at the five-star Westin Mina Sahaya. Three of those nights in the limo resort. Uh, return transfers from the hotel to Yas Circuit. Uh, spacious private air-conditioned suite with dining Makes and bar now. areas. Uh, the large terrace. With shaded outside informal seating, gourmet buffet catering, uh, premium champagne, fine wine, spirits, and soft drinks, and dedicated Great cocktail par with mixologist, and Q and A sessions with uh, F one personalities. I've got to start this one, and I have to say, please remember if you're in the UK, travel restrictions apply. Yeah, big so, ones. Yes. Uh, it's actually if you're in the UK, it's worth absolutely nothing at all. Flights and transfers are go. not included, by the way. Oh my good God! Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'm going to say that is twelve hundred pounds. Who's next? Chip. Uh, eighteen ninety nine. Ooh, goes higher. Two thousand. Two thousand says Nick. Nick is the winner of that one, oh! and our winner overall because that's got a starting price of nine thousand five hundred. Starting price. Are you kidding me? Some more than the Lamborghini trip. I did think. It'd be, I did think it'd be about three and a half. I thought, it was like, but that's nine. nonsense. That's, that's, that's just the fuel for the car to and from the airport and, and to and from the track R- and the hotel. Rob, Rob Chalmers says, "Was the Haas end plate fire damaged?" That too soon. <laughs> Very good. Oh. Very These good. Right. Items are being auctioned. Uh, as part of the Motormouth Celebrity Cart ch- Celebrity Charity Cart Race Auction and supported the Brain Tumor Charity. 
which is a great charity, but they are very odd amounts, uh, actually. Right, we're well after nine o'clock, so time for this. Midweek Motorsport, where John has just 48 seconds to tell you what's coming in the next hour. 48 seconds from when, though, Mark? From when you said 48 seconds or from when you stopped talking? See, that's the bit that always confuses me. Um, hello to uh, everybody who is tweeting in at and Thank you for that. 12th of August, if you want to go to Birmingham Wheels from 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Show your support. It's really, really important. Uh, and thanks for Philip Bond for coming on. Coming up, Declan Brennan and uh, Nick Talk Bikes. Shea has the... Uh, Cayman, visit Cayman Island Sports Car News uh, and next we are talking historic racing with uh, Alan D. Gran, who's the man at the head of HSCC and that was recorded at the weekend at Silverstone, stay tuned Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com Here at Silverstone Classic and with me, I'm delighted to say it uh, the chairman and chief executive, chief, chief executive of the HSCC, Andy D. Crown. Andy, first of all, congratulations on putting the event together. Um, we sort of missed it last year, of course. Don't need to go into the whys and wherefores of that. Um, that can't make your life any more simple in bringing the event, quote unquote, back for for twenty twenty one. Yes, I think the. the, the Obviously, Goose and Silverstone uh, Circuits Limited, Silverstone itself, have put the event on, and we just work with them to 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 manage all the track activity. But of course, as with 960 cars, etc., over three days, it's an immense event. Um, one of the best I've always come here for years and years and years. Whether I was a spectator, then a competitor, and a clerk, and now running the HSCC, so I've gone for the full cycle over the last 15 to 20 years. Um, and it's a wonderful event, and I can recommend it to everybody, but it's a lot of responsibility, of course. How, in that time that you've been involved, how has the historic scene changed? Because what we see this weekend has its own very definite character, and it's proper racing. There's no doubt about that, and Silverson lends it to that. Um, how, has, how has the whole scene changed in the, in the last 10 or 15 years? Oh, that's a difficult one. It, of course, a lot of people are getting older, and we're seeing that um, you know cars are not moving on, perhaps to a younger generation. So people are keeping hold of the car. So the the, the drivers are getting a lot older. But we are encouraging um, people into the sport. So we're seeing a lot now of younger drivers who yeah. are starting to take over some of these cars, and you'll see that. So we tend to have a, a, a mix at this event of what we would might call semi-professionals or even professional racing drivers. Mm. And those amateurs and very keen amateurs, but very capable uh, uh, amateurs that go around it. I mean, the 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 way that they've changed. I think that the 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 thing that we enjoy most is the fact that these cars are continually maintained and kept up to racing conditions. So it's one thing having a a car in a garage and polishing it, um, but actually to bring out the D types, E types, C types, etc., and and race them, uh, it's a marvellous thing to behold. And I think all generations, you just look around here and look at the youngsters, the young kids that are coming in and looking at, and they just, they look at it and they they it's awe inspiring. And, and you make a good point there because there are this is a family event, it's a multi generational event, and and in some ways in that respect this helps define 
the unique character of this event. It, it's open to everyone. You've got a lot of ground here, so there's plenty of room. This is really a people's event, isn't it? Uh, very much so. I mean, obviously with COVID, um, we were unable to provide or, or, or do the event last year. But if you look around the paddocks, it's very much a hands-on, mm -hmm. um, you know, walking into the pit areas with your family, mixing with the drivers, mixing with the cars. The, the owners and drivers of the cars really encourage people to come yes. in. They want to talk about them. Um, they want to get, they get the kids in them. It's, it's, as you say, it's a family event. Um, and it's more than it's kind of a, a sterile Formula One environment where you're kept away from the paddocks and you see the cars on circuit. This very much is a kind of a visceral experience where you where every day or sorry, yeah, every day over the weekend, mm. you can come in and you can look at the cars that perhaps you wanted in your youth and, and maybe touch them, feel them, polish them, do whatever you like because people are only too happy to let you do that. And that, of course in terms of attracting an audience, that's a moving target, isn't it? I was out in a session yesterday with cars that I've commentated on when it seems to me that was only a couple of three years ago. It's more than that, yeah. of course. And, and one of them, I've just had lunch with him, Manuel Collard was driving the Van Merkstein Porsche Spider in the mm. test session that we were doing yesterday. And uh, Francois Perauda was driving one of the Peugeot 908. Now, I don't see those as historic cars, but of course when I think back, that they're getting on for 10 years and more old. Well, I think that's the other thing, is what is a historic car? Yeah, now, very I mean, good. We can have a divide, we can have a definition in, in, in Appendix K, we can have a definition in the Blue Book with MSUK, um, and we can, as clubs, can impose our own definition, but I suppose historic really is, it's people who get to a certain age who hanker after maybe the cars that they wanted when they're in the youth and they couldn't actually afford them. So you're seeing that shifting forward, aren't you, to 1980s? You know, so 1980s mm. and 1990s, mm. I think, are historic cars in yes. their own right. And I think that will just go on. So you've got this continuation of all of the, what you would call the pre-73s, pre-66, all of those that are going forward, but now we're seeing other cars coming into that. And look at Masters Endurance Legends. Yes. If you look at those Le Mans prototype cars, you know, up to 2015, some of those, they're historic cars. Yes. They're very much an historic car. And to see those on the circuit is just superb. Um, but not when you're sitting in a little Chevron B8 and they're going past you like you're chained to a post. <laughs> I know, I know. And I was watching it yesterday and, and I've got a few friends, of course, who are driving in that. And... Um, and you think, wow, you know. But they were saying it's just it's just the, the, the difference in the speed um, and the difference oh. in driving those cars. So they'll jump out of an E-Type and then they'll jump into something I, else. I, I think that's and, amazing. And, and it is. And, but I think I don't think it detracts from the overall Silverstone Classic. No, I think no, it's no, part and parcel of it. I think it is, you know, you can see that mix of cars. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a fantastic event. Just to underline that, actually, mm. there was a couple of lads standing outside our awning and we've got an eclectic mix uh, in there. Um, and one of the lads was wearing a Toyota um, uh, LMP1 hybrid jacket. The other lads uh, had some Daytona uh, wear on, and they went to their. They were telling me they went to their first Le Mans in 2011. And you think, well, that's not that long. Oh no, hang on, that is 10 years ago. And they've True. come to see quite a lot of the older cars, and they've fallen in love with the older cars. There's a lovely B16 mm. in our awning, and they were fawning all over that. And I took them in. And one of the lads says, that looks like a Glickenhaus, particularly around the front. I says, I think you'll find a Glickenhaus looks like that, in fairness. But yes, mm. you're absolutely right. But is this an opportunity as well to bring that kind of enthusiast in and show them effectively the heritage of where those cars in 2011 came from? 
Yes, I think it is. I mean, of course, that's exactly the point, isn't it? They, they you know, you, you go to an event in, 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 in period um, and then suddenly 10 years you're catapulted forward and then you're actually standing next to the car, which you would have only seen on circuit. Correct. At and then now you can touch it, feel it, look at it, talk to the people that own it. And the fact that that, that car, the heritage of that car has been maintained and brought mm. forward, ah, it's a great mix. And we see a lot of people like that. Um, super tourists as well, not here, not here at the moment, but of course super tourists is exactly the yes. same thing when people have been watching that. Over the over the years, so it's it's everything to every person. I think this this event. As we go forward and racing cars, particularly at the higher end, you've got classic Formula One and Formula Two here, sure. which I'm fawning all over. It's because mm. it's absolutely mm. the mm. era that I mm. started following Formula One. But as cars get more complicated, and whether it's sports cars or Formula cars, can you see a time when that? will dry up and you can't keep and effectively you say well that's it we'll not be able to get any newer cars than that I don't really know to be honest with you I think the major thing that's driving us at the moment is sustainability it's mm. talking about the fuels it's talking about carbon footprint it's talking about mm. all of the other th- factors that will actually potentially attack our sport and rightly so in some ways of mm. course we have to be mindful of what we're doing in terms of the environment etc I don't know I think I think we can continue I think there will be a way around we're looking at different types of fuels aren't we we're looking yes. at whether so I think this 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 view that perhaps when fossil fuels have dried up and we end up not being able to see these cars on second I think that will change I think yeah. we will have we, I don't think we'll all go electric but I think we will have some hybrid cars and we will see we'll have some alternative fuel um, I think this is set to go on for a long time good good and, and I know talking to the guys at Porsche um, and Audi synthetic fuels is something that they've invested with sure. Siemens massively massively into uh, into as well as far as the HSCC is concerned then what's the Five-year, ten-year plan. First of all, where do you see where do you see yourselves now, and where do you see yourselves in in five and ten years, in in the greater scheme of things? Not necessarily just the events, because I know you do a lot of wo- wo- um, lobbying as well. Yeah, we do. Um, I think we've been around since 1966. We're not the oldest club in the UK, but we're one of the oldest clubs, and, and we would argue that we're one of the one of the top end clubs. Um, Clearly, what we need to do is we need to encourage new members into it to take over. So, you, you know, we, I think we did some statistics a little while ago, and the average age of our member is 60, 61. Um, and that's not, that's not old, of course. Um, but, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but as you see, you know, that means we've also got members at the, you know, we've got members in their 90s. Yeah. And we've got members at 16, you know. Mm. So we've got that, that, that. But what we really need to do is we need to maintain the vehicles. We need to get encourage people that when they stop racing because they, they don't want to race anymore, that those vehicles are still kept you know, and maintained in racing condition and that younger drivers come along. We're seeing a lot of that in, in historic Formula 4. So, um, you know, we've got some, some great talent that's coming through on that. And some of you might even see some of that talent going forward out into other, in other, other realms of motor racing. But um, I am surprised at the, the level of younger, mm. younger person, let's say somewhere between 16 and 25, who have a taste for this and then suddenly say, actually, this is pretty special. Yes. This is something that's affordable, and mm-hmm. it depends on what your, what your budget is, mm-hmm. but it depends, you know, you can go from a Formula Ford, an entry level, and you can go right the way through guards and historic Formula 2, as you've said, and even with a you know, historic Formula 1. Um, that gets more expensive as you go along. Um, but, of, but, of course, I think that, that, that's exactly the way it should be. And so the five-year plan is, 
sustainability, maintain our membership numbers and to continue to provide cost-effective, safe motorsport. And that's yeah. the real thing, really. is make, Because when you think about it, the, the vehicles that we are racing now, I always use the analogy of the, the E-Type um, Jaguar, which was raced at Le Mans, was 333 brake horsepower. Um, they are much their brake horsepower has improved because of modern uh, additions etc etc so it, it, it's that safety um, and keeping that safety and keeping 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 the, the driver briefings on the, the, the etiquette on circuit that's so important now and you mentioned that and this weekend we're running actually two versions of, of Silverstone and of the Grand Prix circuit because we're running the Grand Prix circuit as everybody would know it with Veal as a 90 left 90 right and we're using what's called the classic Veal which is a much more gentle set of S's and that of course means two circuit homologations so there's work had to be done for that well yeah, yeah I mean you're actually changed on Tuesday night uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, at 7.30 on Tuesday night we managed um, to um, with discussion with MSUK and the FIA, what we've now got is the historic circuit, which is what we would call historic Vale, wouldn't yes. we? Um, which hadn't been used for some years. Um, the 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 cutoff period was for Formula One that were um, uh, built after 1985. So because Masters Formula One series is all pre-85, um, that is fine. They use the historic Vale. I think the one thing that we were concerned about was Damon Hill was doing his demonstration in his Williams. Um, and that's an 86, I think it was. So we, that was the two configurations that we might have to run to. Um, MSUK have given us dispensation to run Damon on the historic um, uh, circuit, um, which is good. I'm sure Damon will be absolutely ecstatic about that because it's much quicker. Yes. It's a much quicker element to it. Um, and as a driver, you'll know it's, it's more flow. It flows. Um, so, I, you know, I mean, the, the whole idea of, of, the, of the GP circuit was to slow the cars down, wasn't mm. it? That, that, that's what it was. So this just gives you that extra, you know, just it, it does flow. And especially with the LMP ones, you, seeing those go through. I mean, any car going through that, but the LMP ones are the way that they just hold, you know, hold the ground. But the, I was amazed this morning watching Formula 2 um, in, in pretty drastic wet conditions. The amount of grip that those yes. cars had, you know, is phenomenal. Um, so yeah, um, historic Vale, welcome back. Yeah, uh, welcome back. Uh, yeah, we love it. Yeah, I, I had my first taste of it uh, yesterday, and it's transformational. Yes. It, it, it actually just doesn't change that one corner; it changes club as well, of course, yes, it does. because you're coming into it quicker and on a much different line, actually. And then it also means. It, it changes Abbey and Farm because you're coming in the Abbey much quicker. I, I think I think that's absolutely right. In a way, it's safer. I think yeah. I think that the the the, the obvious breaking into as it was as you said the, the, the you know the the, the ninety left um, coming in on the GP circuit into Vale. Um, there were incidents there. There'll be no doubt there'll be incidents on on the historic element. Um, but it, I think it's the safer because it is it is you. you that you haven't got excessive braking, you haven't got people that are bunching in that corner, and it's therefore it's much safer. I believe that you go quicker, maybe, but safer in my view. Yes, curbs are less drastic as well. Uh, if you drastic. do make a mistake, and there will be mistakes made, particularly when the weather is bad. All right, we've talked about five and ten years. Let's talk about something much closer. Um, HSCC now looking forward with two thirds of the way already through. 2021 what are you looking for for the rest of this year and what events because this is not your only event 
Far from it. What events will you be looking for in the end of 21 and the beginning of 20 or through 22? I mean, the way that we work, of course, I mean, all clubs now is that we're already looking at 2022. We've already got a base calendar agreed with um, with the circuit owners for 2021. You're right. We're we're two thirds of the way through. So we've got a, a big meeting at Alton Park coming up at the end of August. And we've got a few after that in Silverstone again with our finals, Walter Hayes. So we, we're, we're nearly we're nearly done. And, and so um, we've had a good year, all of the clubs have had a good year. I think one of the things is that um, motor racing has been brought back to the UK by, by COVID in many ways because the, the, a lot of our Formula 2s, of course, all of our Formula 2s went abroad in four times a year to do that. Mm. And a lot of other, you know, mm. other clubs, etc., go abroad. And, and because people are probably unwilling to or it's difficult to and Carne is another, another contributing factor, um, we're now seeing a lot more people are, are staying in the UK. So I think that's a good thing as mm. well. That's a good thing for all of us. Um, whether that is sustained through 2022 and onwards, it very much depends what happens abroad and how Carne then um, changes, whether it does change, whether we'll just do away with um, you know Carne for historic vehicles, which I, I, I sincerely hope we do. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's been a resurgence in... in in motorsport because of that people have been sat, sat at home and they've not been able to get out and so we've seen a bit of a surge I think people have rediscovered some of the big events like this like the Gold oh. Cup as well and thought why, why didn't I do that oh that's because I went to Spa or I went to the Nürburgring yeah. or something else instead because we understand people have a finite budget and they've rediscovered some of these and realised that these are great events they are. I mean, there's nothing like a homegrown event in the UK, is there? There's no circuits like well, Silverstone, Brands, Brands, Brands Hatch, Alton Park. You just look at them. Donington, you know, a fantastic um, circuits. Yes, of course, I think from people's bucket list, you want to drive Le Mans. Um, I've been lucky enough to drive Le Mans Classic four times. And, and, and I... Well, that's uh, it. I'm ending the interview yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but I mean... Uh, uh, what what a circuit! Mm. I mean, that is a bucket list circuit, isn't it? I mean, surely I, just driving out the pit and going under the Dunlop Bridge, uh, you might as well say, "That's it! I'll uh, just come round and park." I honestly, for the first couple of laps, I've changed the subject, haven't I? But the, the oh. first for the first couple of laps, I went through there. I was lucky enough um, to drive the um, the uh, Sydney Allard and Jack Fairman's J two X Le Mans car. Um, back on the circuit after 50 years I was got there and it was I, I went out there and the nostalgia and that was actually at Le Mans it was the support oh. race um, um, but that's special and I would recommend that to anybody but you but know. Andy isn't that that's what we're talking about we're talking about emotion here we're talking these cars all evoke emotions and whether they're only six years old as the as the newest ones are or 56 or 86 years old it's about evoking emotions and that's what this is all about. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the fact that I broke down has got nothing to do with it. And, but, uh, but, but when <laughs> I forget that bit. When, yeah, but when I managed to get the car going again, and and the British fans, you know, waving and shouting at you, a British car, la la la, and you kind of, you know, it really quite, as you say, some tears in your eyes type yes. of job. It, it is. Um, and, but that that is a special circuit. Spa's mm. a special circuit, mm. and everybody should do it if they can. But do you think we take Silverstone a bit for granted because yeah. because it's our circuit in the UK and it's kind of ubiquitous and lots of stuff happens here? When we've done 24-hour races, say, with the Crevendic guys, the amount of guys that come from abroad and say, oh, Silverstone, home of British motor racing. You know, and I think sometimes we it's on our doorstep. We don't see it like that. Oh, you're absolutely right. I think it, it, it's the jewel in the crown. And... and I had two, I've got two Danish guys over um, that have come all the way over despite COVID for Formula 2. 
Um, and the guy said, I've never, I've, never driven, I've never driven on an English circuit at all. And he said, we don't have, we don't have straights, we only have corners. And I mm. said, well, I'd better get you out in the course car. And, went out. and that emotion in that guy's face. And, yes. and you look at it and you go, well, I, I'm a bit blasé about Silverstone because I work here, you know, mm. I'm an arts instructor here. And I go, well, I'll go around this circuit, you know, like that. But to see this guy suddenly, you know, on his bucket list, we've got Silverstone, and then you think about it, you know, it is our heritage. Um, Absolutely. And we, and it, yeah, it's a great circuit. It's a safe circuit. It's a wide circuit. It's, it's a big circuit. You know, your car, your car is going to have to be properly maintained, you know, because it's a lot of strains and stresses on it. But what a fantastic circuit. And what a fantastic place. Mm. Um, and take that full circle back to, 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 to the classic you know, it is going back to the family bit where you've got, so you've got the circuit, you've got the racing, you've got the, you know, you've got the, 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 the off-circuit entertainment. You've got, well, the, you've got the Heritage Centre as well and the museum now. Absolutely, the museum, yeah. a fabulous place to visit. Um, they've done it extremely well with that. So the amount of investment back into Silverstone over the last few years has been incredible. And just, just to finish up, because we're going to get drowned out by some glorious engines and you've got duties and I need to go and drool somewhere uh, and watch <laughs> some of these. Um, the, the advantage that we have here at Silverstone um, is, yes, it's the home of the British Grand Prix. So the access here are very different, as you mentioned earlier. Mm. So even for the spectators who get to come here and walk into the pit lane in which we're, over which we're standing at the moment, at least the back of the paddock. And I know there's still some restrictions uh, going on, but f- much fewer than there, there have been. But you've got two pit lanes and yeah. two paddocks as well. Yeah. So that huge entry that you're talking about is accommodated, not, I'm sure, without some logistical input, but it's far more, dare I say, elegant than it would be at many other circuits. Yeah, logistically, it's a nightmare because you can imagine with multi-preparers, you've got cars that should be going out of the uh, should be going out of the, the national pits, and they're in the wing, and, and vice versa. Um, but yes, I, it, you've got everything going. I think the one thing about Silverstone, and we're, we're, we're waiting with eager anticipation, is going to be when they get the bridge across here, yes. because that's going to make the pedestrian access that much easier, because it still is a little bit of a hike, and although they, you know, buses and what have you, um, it is a hike between the two. But once they've got that sorted out, and that's in the very near future, um, then that will be, make access even even more. And you've got the Formula Ones out now, so in the background you can hear the Formula Mean, which it's pretty much not on television, isn't it? Really, because you can, you can hear the Formula Ones going out. I mean, that's evocative sound. It's just that's just synonymous with Silverstone, isn't it? Um, and on Sunday with Damon, um, I've got the, the great pleasure of having to tell a, a brief Damon Hill. Now, how do you do that, really? I mean, you know, what are we, what are you going to say to Damon Hill? Um, but um, yeah, I, it's great, and yeah. Look at this, just fantastic. And this is where we end the interview as we go all misty. If we were on television, this would go all misty and in back into black and white and the beautiful strains of we Murray would. Walker's commentary would be in our ear. Andy, thank you very much. You Fabulous would. event. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Yeah, and we wish you and the rest of the HSCC. I know how hard the whole team works and I know you'll say it's the team because it absolutely is. Best of luck for the future. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. And John recorded that interview at the weekend at the Silverstone Classic. In our commentary box. In where we normally have our commentary box, actually. Uh, Box number one. uh, The BBC box or our box. Depending on who gets their 
there first. Uh, thanks to Andy Descart for, for, for doing that because he uh, was very, very busy and his radios were going all the time when that was going on. Um, so it was a good job the F1s came out. Uh, you're listening to the Midweek Motorsports Series, 16, episode 31. Still plenty to come in the next half hour. We've got more historic racing news with their radio show tonight, Paul Tarsi and the rest of the team, uh, with me as well, uh, debating in the corridors of power the greatest Le Mans driver, greatest sports car driver, never to win Le Mans. That's, uh, that's coming up. Uh, thank you to all of you who uh, have enjoyed that um, that interview with Andy. The quick bit of karting. You heard me speaking earlier on when we had um, uh, when we had Phil Bond on the phone from Birmingham, Wales, about the Rotax Max Challenge International Trophy at Le Mans over the weekend and about how important it is for people to be able to get to go karting locally. Well, it was a fantastic weekend for two brothers from Warden Law, just outside of Sunderland. Reese and Kai Hunter, first and second, separated by barely a tenth of a second at the head of the European field, both driving EOS Rotax Mojos uh, with uh, them first and second in a very impressive uh, finish. Uh, uh, Lemaray was in uh, third position, Nolan Lemaray, the, the Frenchman, but he was subsequently... He got a 10-second penalty for overtaking under yellow. So Enzo Calderas on a Cosmic Rotas Mojo took third position. Without local tracks, like Warden Law, without Birmingham Wales. And by the way, a lot of the work that we did at Warden Law and other places in the northeast was absolutely influenced by what was going on at Birmingham Wales because that's been there for a very long time. Without that, we lose the next generation of racing drivers getting in to real racing at a cost-effective level, whether it's higher carts or whatever, Nick. Yeah, and, and you're involved with karting now, too, TV. Can, I can actually com- combine the last two items because we're covering historic karting uh, this weekend at uh, Wilton Mill. Uh, nine, o'clock, the road. 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, links will be on the, on, on the collective. We have a, a, a cracking day of 80s and 90s uh, karting. Well, the, car- the karts will be 80s and 90s. The drivers will be uh, modern day. Oh, I've, no, surely you've got to have people who would have driven them in period. I think, be, I, think having, I think there will be several people who did. They'll be in the heavy class. Brem Bradley <laughs> will be in his, his element. Um, so if you, can, if you can get over there and support Birmingham Wales, thank you to all of you who have tweeted at Specutainment that say you will. 12th of August, Birmingham Wales. Look them up. They're on Facebook. They've got a website. Uh, from 2 o'clock that Thursday, is it a Thursday or a Friday? I can't remember now. But 12th of August, uh, 2 o'clock UK, get yourself over there. Uh, you'll have a great fun and you will be supporting them as well. Show your support. Time now for a regular uh, Cam- Visit Cayman Islands sports car news for which we need Shea Adam. Hello again, Shea. Hello. I keep waiting for you to send me to the Cayman Islands. Well, <laughs> we can tell everybody you were there. We could tell everybody. We uh, Timmy's actually there. Um, he I just wish doesn't I want was. to tell everybody. Just <laughs> Can't lie <laughs> just on the radio. I just, I just I'm want the drinks up. with the little umbrella in them. Uh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, let's talk Road America for the weekend. Uh, IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship plus all the supports. Thursday the 12th, by the way. I'm reminded by the, uh, the glorious 12th uh, at, uh, at Birmingham Wells. Uh, it is... Road America in the weekend, America's National Park of Speed, IMSA, WeatherTech, Mission Pilot Challenge. And we talked about all of 
the implications of, of what we'd seen on the entry list last week. Any major changes that we have to report first of all? Uh, I've got news of a driver who will be there, who we had a question about, and a driver that we thought was going to be there who is not. Uh, <laughs> which would you like first? Uh, any, who's going to be there? Let's take the good uh, news. Larry. Larry is going to be there. Lawrence Vantor, who had an accident during a break, actually, during the Spa 24. He was in the paddock, was on a scooter, and was hit by a quad, resulting in a broken nose and some other facial injuries for Lawrence Vantor. Uh, there was question about whether or not he had suffered more of a head injury. If he would be able to drive this weekend, he has been cleared. And putting on a helmet with a broken nose will be painful <laughs> enough <laughs> in and of itself. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, um, but Lawrence is desperate to try and keep and improve upon the FAF Motorsport fourth position in the GTD Championship right now. Uh, and who's not going to be there who we thought? Ah, uh, This is kind of heartbreaking. Drake Kemper has oh. had a very bad bout of COVID. He actually was in the hospital for a few days um, with pneumonia symptoms, he's still using an oxygen tank at certain points and he's not back up to full health. So he has announced on Facebook that he will not be going to the track. And if anybody has an MX-5 license and $11,000 and would like to rent a car for the weekend, contact wow. Drake. His is available. And he's a championship contender in the EDMITSU MX-5 challenge. Uh, that will be our first live broadcast, race one, on Friday. All of the times and indeed how you can watch and listen on imsradio.com. Remember, that's the new home for our IMSA broadcast. Has been since the start of the year. A few of you seem uh, to have forgotten that and keep looking on uh, radiolamont.com. imsradio.com uh, for that. Uh, and uh, balance of performance. Three words that nobody likes to hear. But we've had it, uh, a couple of, uh, of changes for, uh, first of all, Mission Pilot Challenge, McLaren. Uh, yes, this is a big surprise for me because both McLarens had rough goes at Lime Rock Park. Uh, the 13 AWA McLaren, the one that's been traditionally better placed in the championship, Kino Whitmer had an off at the end of FP1. He still, though, his time in that session was good enough to be two tenths off the fastest lap that we saw all weekend. So adjustment has been made. 20 kilos wow. more added to the McLaren, which means that it's put on about 140 pounds by my math since May when it had won two out of the three first races. But more importantly, the minimum ride height has been dropped. They now are even uh, lower to the ground. So they're heavier and they're lower. We'll see how that works out. There were two restrictors changed in the pilot challenge class as well for uh, GS, excuse me, for Grand Sport. The Audi and the Chevy both getting slightly bigger restrictors. And there was a lot of fuel numbers changed from the teams per their request because Road America is 4.048 miles as opposed to Lime Rock, which is 1.5. And if you can almost make it back into the pit lane at Road America, you're not going to make it because it's uphill. Uh, Mazda, BOP as well for the WeatherTech race. Yeah, there was a slight change as far as BOP is concerned in WeatherTech. We do have Mazda running uh they are now at 920 they were at 910 kilograms so they're only 10k heavier but more importantly they're 10k heavier than they were the last time we ran at road america but they also get five liters more of fuel now the most interesting comparison for me as compared to when we ran here last year 
The Lexuses are 45 kilograms heavier. They have a one millimeter smaller restrictor and three liters more of fuel. Lexus has not been strong at Road America in the dry. They won and were third last year in the wet. They are definitely doing a rain dance. And another random stat for you, Cadillac has never won at Road America no overall. Chevy has. Cadillac has not. Wow. Okay. Uh, quick bit of news about test day for Le Mans. Uh, just one BOP change for test day, which I'm, I'm rather uh, shocked about. Um, but I'm also shocked that it's for Alpine. Yeah, they've been given a stint energy adjustment, basically meaning that they are going to have to uh, come in. I think it was 8% was the difference. Um, So they're going to get an even shorter stint than we thought they were going to be able to do. The one thing that stuck out to me as far as the GT cars is concerned, Ferraris are slightly lighter than they were last year. And of course, Corvette running for the first time with the C8R. Uh, As they run in the WeatherTech Championship, they weigh 1,290 kilos for Le Mans. They're going to be 1,276, so quite a bit lighter almost the same fuel capacity and then they get a 44.3 millimeter restrictor in WeatherTech they get a 42.7 millimeter restrictor at Le Mans that's going to make a big difference yeah it doesn't sound like a lot but it just can't breathe as well just imagine an Olympic sprinter having to breathe through a straw um, and just possibly one nostril Um, that's that's the, that's what we're basically talking about. <laughs> thank you, Cher. We'll let you go now. Uh, thank you for that visit, Cayman Islands uh, Sports Car News here on Midweek Motorsport. Thanks. Speak to you at the weekend. Cher Adam will be with me and Jeremy Shaw in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Cher also our VP Racing Field Pit and Paddock reporter for the weekend. <laughs> uh, starts on Friday. Check imsaradio.com for the times in your own uh, in your own time zone. Declan Brennan joins us now. Good evening, Dex. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. Uh, and before we go any further, if uh, we were in the Cars universe, the Pixar Cars universe, can you imagine what the Cayman Islands would look like? It would be just been populated entirely by Cayman Cars characters. Of course it would. It would be would. fantastic. Of course. Absolutely. I lo- I, Absolutely that would right. be tremendous. Mm. Uh, I apologise, carry on um, Before we we got you to talk about bikes uh, Nick's here as well, still team by team to come as well So we've got a rattle on because we've got HRN uh, following us at at 10 Um, Congratulations on um, Rebel Rock Racing's Doco getting nominated uh, in in the motorsport category In uh, in one of the big awards for motorsport docs Yes uh, the World uh, Motorsport Awards, and to be perfectly honest, uh, I can't take any credit for that on account of me not making the documentary. But it is great, uh, and I will t- I pass the uh, congratulations on to uh, Adrian Bonvento, the director, the auteur behind it. But uh, I certainly will, won't take any credit uh, other than all of it. In fairness, if it you was win. all down to me. Obviously, yes. if you win, it's all down uh, all down to you. Uh, if not, it was nothing to do with you at all. Uh, oh, and- yes. And, uh, and and you never had any input, yes? That's right, that's right. Uh, John Watson, uh, a wonderful British Grand Prix victory uh, for the uh, for the Britain, uh, followed by a terrible early retirement for the Irishman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always, 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 always. Um, MotoGP and World Superbike 
at the weekend. Nick Damon is still with us as well. We're back Hello. off to... Are we off to Austria this Austria weekend? Austria for a double header. We're, I can't remember if it's Austria and Styria. Austria and Austria. Spielberg. Spielberg. Styria. Yeah. It, no, no. Which way around the two Grand Prix are? The Osteroid Ring. Zeltweg. But, but is it the Styrian Grand Prix and the Austrian it's Grand the, Prix? It's the Michelin... Austrian Grand Prix and the Styrian Grand Prix? It's the Michelin Grand Prix of Styria. Right. So it's Styria then Austria. So it, it, right. it, it's all swapped around. It's sometimes you have Austria for... Because obviously it's obviously exceptionally cheap to rent the Red Bull Rings for all these places that have two races there each. And MotoGP, first thing to say is MotoGP that were absolutely in the vanguard of closing down their paddocks and cutting down on people being there are opening up this weekend. I know. More uh, more broadcasters being allowed there. The MotoGP VIP village returning. And Mark Marquez saying, I'm feeling better and stronger, Nick. Well, good for him. He should be. That's six weeks off. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, we might see Marquez beginning coming back. He's obviously not going to win the championship this year. Um, the question, I think, needs to be asked where he'll get to and whether the big thing is the aura's being punctured, I think, is the main problem. Um, Cal Cru- can Sorry, go ahead. Spoiler. I think he can absolutely play spoiler and, and potentially get in, muck up some, uh, some races by, uh, you know, by being more heavily involved at the pointy end, and which could make things very interesting. Uh, Cal Crutchlow's um, back. As, as, sorry, Dex, we, we've got to rush through this a bit tonight. Um, Cal Crutchlow is back, and um, back with Yamaha for the first time in a race since retiring. And uh, he, uh, he says it's going to be tough, and it will be tough. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Dex. Yeah, racing isn't testing. And, and it will be tough, uh, I have no doubt. The same way it will be tough for uh, Danny Pedrosa, who will be running, uh, have the advantage of running a 2022 chassis in some respects. But uh, I think uh, Nick touched on this a couple of weeks ago. I think top 10 for both, I think, is going to be a, an achievement because it's a, a generally a class that is extremely close Uh Really outside, like from from sort of third to tenth, can be can be an absolute lottery. So, if the, either of those two wild cards make it into the top ten, that would be tremendous. I would be very impressed. Interesting, uh, interesting comment from uh, the uh, from Valentino Rossi, saying that the the M1 uh, might have uh, the the Yamaha M1 might uh, be a bit of a struggle in the coming weeks. Now, all right. In fairness, Valley's not having the best season, Dex. But in terms of the title race for Fabio Quartararo, that could be big news. And and it's that's it's it's sort of a, a, a an interesting story that 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 Valley's saying that, um, and really the implications are not for him, but they are for Fabio. Well, if you look at last year, uh, it, it you would say that you're running two rounds on a track that's going to suit Ducati uh, and probably KTM. And with that in mind, uh, we probably have more competitive bikes from those two manufacturers than anybody else. So uh, you could argue, for example, that two factory Ducatis and two uh, Pramac Ducatis along with three, arguably three, or well, definitely two of the KTMs, uh, could mean that the 
title challengers are fighting out for the lower end of the, uh, maybe not even the podium. Uh, uh, I'm particularly thinking of uh, of uh, Fabio Quartararo, uh, the championship leader, and the Suzuki and and the Suzuki riders, etc. So uh, I'm fascinated to see because I think Ducati are are kind of going there with a historically uh, a a great level of performance. I uh, granted that was with Dovi, but uh, I would suggest we will see uh, not dominance, but uh, certainly. Uh, the sharp end of the field being being a, a preponderance of Ducatis, and it will throw questions. And it maybe uh, we come back after the break, and we're going to see some proper questions finally asked of Fabio Quattararo because ultimately he's had it fairly straightforward in the last few weeks uh, prior to the the, the the summer break. I'll ask you both this question, uh, Nick. You first. Uh, looking back at what we know about the Red Bull ring, two races in in two weekends. Uh, is it KTM again? Is it Ducati? Is it Honda? Is it Yamaha? What, whose track is it? I think one win for Ducati and one win for KTM. Dex? I, I think two wins for KTM. Ooh. And although I might might even see a Suzuki win. Oh, oh no, Doug, no. Uh, I think we might see, uh, we might see something, might see a surprise pulled we might see it because people forget before uh, uh before the red flag in the first race there uh last year because we're red flags in both yeah obviously in the first race that was uh, a race being dominated by joanne mir or about to be dominated by joanne mir and uh he likes that place he's i uh, i think we'll see suzuki a little bit further up uh, uh, getting involved with the uh, the places for the podiums, uh, particularly in the first race. Uh, can I quickly mention, John? Must we're going to Must? No, well, that was going to be my, my next thing. World Superbikes yes. have got a, a new track for the first time in forever uh, and <laughs> a day. Um, you know, there's not many new circuits that people can go to. Most in the Czech Republic, um, no data. People haven't tested there. Um, new t- or, or tyres uh, are going to be crucial uh, this weekend. It's a twisty, turny circuit, but it has got a long front straight as well, Nick. I mean, we, we kind of got ourselves confused about this because um, uh, uh, MotoGP weren't going to Brno because uh, in, in the Czech Republic because of the surface issues. Yes. And it needs to be resurfaced. And then we saw a Czech... Grand Prix on uh, on World Superbikes, but of course it's at Most, not at Brno. Yeah, very different circuit. Completely different and very very exciting addition. Yeah, it does look up from the pictures looks very absolutely dead flat, which is never good. But yes, if it's got a, if it's got a twisty bit and it's got a, a long front straight, well that's both the uh, that's all the manufacturers have got, have got a bit they'll be good at then. <laughs> I, I mean, oh, this is yeah. From that perspective, it's it, it's it's got a it's got a, a Ducati and a Honda front bit, and then the twisty bits at the back are very Yamaha, and then all of it. <laughs> And then all of it is very Jonathan Ray because that's just how World Superbike works. Because it's a World Superbike race, so it's just Jonathan yeah. Ray regardless. It is the fiftieth <laughs> circuit that World Superbike have been to in its time this year uh, <laughs> in uh, in Spain. Um, and no, uh, and uh, I, I mean the, the, the title is uh, is is seemingly heading back to. Uh, Jonathan Ray again, but with no, top, it oh no, 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 there's a lot to go. Top, top to oh go. no, top loads rack. to go. 
Well, with... The irrepressible top rack. Yeah, well, he's. I think he needs a result <laughs> this weekend, I do. Oh, well, I was just going to ask one final question because we've got F1 team by team to come uh, and then historic racing news to come with uh, Tarsi and the rest of the guys with a Le Mans theme tonight because you've been asking for that. Uh, do Dex, do motorcycle teams, world superbike teams, do they do the same as... Uh, as four-wheel motorsport teams, and do they have simulations? I mean, are they going to have to go there and guess things like uh, gearing and and all of that sort of thing, or will they have some kind of simulation or at least some kind of calculator? There'll be calculations, but but I'm sure I'm sure we'll see some uh, odd uh, appearances up and down the uh, the timing pole on right. particularly on Friday in in, in first practice. Uh, I think we'll have, uh, but yeah, they'll they'll be they'll be forearmed, and 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 I'm sure somebody, I'm sure somebody with a beard and a moustache on the outside of their crash helmet brought a ro- powerful road bike there for a track day <laughs> at some stage earlier in the year. Uh, <laughs> they don't get any extra uh, extra time because it's a yeah. new track, no, so it's the usual format. There's weird bonuses used to get certain track. No, why not? They're professionals. Okay, um, I, we'll talk about this next week because I've got a feeling there'll be an awful lot to talk about next week. So, Dex, if you don't mind, we'll have you back next week and, and have a look back on what we've been talking about. Oh, I'd, I'd love to, absolutely. It'd be great. And I can't, I've can't. i got a, a very busy weekend of work, which somehow I've, I've got to fit in like eight uh, uh, re- main races and supports across the two the two events. So uh, I don't know how I'd do that, but I'll, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll look forward to that as well. Thanks, Dex. Thanks for joining us. Best of the family. Oh, my pleasure. Chase, mate. Thank you. Brennan joining us live from Boston. Uh, time to hand back to Tim Gray up in London for one Formula of our best one features team ever. Team by team. <laughs> as, designed by, as designed by Tim. It's Hooray. so good. It's just been off onto its own show. Yeah, well, possibly, possibly yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, we're going to start this week with Aston Martin. Yes, we are. Um, well, um, it looked like a, uh, a a great race and a disastrous. Um, Lance Stroll obviously was involved in the massive accident. He managed to get classified last. I think he was the furthest back on the grid of the people who didn't finish the first lap, of which there were many. <laughs> uh, he made a, again, he made a relatively poor start, which put him in a position to, to try and take the advantage of the first accident. But in attempting to do that, he also outbraked himself, went up the inside and took out Charles Leclerc. Though, interestingly, didn't get any penalty for that. So he didn't get anything that, even though he absolutely wrecked Charles Leclerc. He got no penalty, no reporting to stewards, even though his accident, his mistake was, whilst less you know, pinball-y than the other one, um, was still equally uh, you know, bad-breaking. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, well, he drove a great race to second, up until the bit where he stopped a bit too far past the uh, the line, and ended up being um, disqualified for not being able to find a fuel sample. They're trying to appeal this, but it's one of those things that's really hard to appeal, because the rules about the fuel sample are that if you can't get it out by normal means, you're not allowed to turn the car upside down and shake it, for example. Oh, really? No, no. You have to get it's it out. You're, you're not allowed to take any bodywork off to do it. You're, you have to get it out. I think what they basically need is they need to get one of those guys who used to nick your fuel in the, in the, in the, in the 90s with a bit of a siphon. Get siphon Johnny round. They'll go, oh, I'll get it out for you, son. They <coughs> and get your litre out. Whether, whether it's a litre left or not a litre left is actually a moot point here if you can't get it out. So whether yes. it's 1.14 litres as Red Bull... Uh, no. No. Aston Martin. Aston Martin. Uh, sorry, Aston Martin um, uh, uh, claim it is. Um, or 1.1 kilograms or 1 kilogram. Doesn't or one, it doesn't matter. This is not a case 
of volume versus weight. This is just a case of we can't get it out and to test is, it. And there is, of course, a performance advantage. So it is. People always know go up. There is an advantage because you're running with less fuel the whole time. Therefore, your car is running lighter the whole time. Well, well, the other thing is they can't prove that they had legal fuel right now. Um, that's it. And that's it. It's, it's a black and white thing. I feel very, very sorry for Aston Martin to lose the 18 points because they did put. They, they did what you're supposed to do is take advantage of chaos. Um, but they shot themselves in the foot a bit, unfortunately. Um, and it's one of those things. And if Seb had finished fourth, they probably wouldn't have checked the fuel. I think they check all the points. They take quite a lot of them, to be honest. Tim, there's a lot more checks going than we know about. No, uh, next, we move on to Beleaguered Ferrari. They're not really Beleaguered. They've been doing all right recently. Um, they were doing okay for a whole corner of a Charlotte Claire until he got wiped out by, by Lance Stroll. And bad news is that Pierce have taken his en- one of his engines out as well. It's a big hit on the uh, right-hand side. Uh, Carlos Sainz um, came through That's the melee good. after a rubbish qualifying, which was this absolutely did result for him because he started 15th and therefore was able to pick his way through the trouble. Um, got himself stuck behind the Tifi after the, the 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 restart, and really you shouldn't get stuck behind the Tifi if you're in a Ferrari or anything else. But it's very difficult to pass at the Hungara well, ring, got himself especially stuck. in a DRS train. Yes, got himself stuck behind dot dot dot. Mm. Could apply to quite a few people. Yeah, and I think when we talk about you know, later on, we'll talk about the the the, the amazing ten laps of, of blockage. But if you think about the people who couldn't get past people. Um, it isn't that easy to pass the Hungara ring, even if you haven't got Fernando Alonso d- running a defensive uh, blocking uh, methodology. Just going down the straight. It, it, even DRS doesn't really tend to work that well. So that's Ferrari. Who's next, Tim? Hang on. What do you oh. need to tell us about Carlos Sainz? Came third. Yes. It's the second time he's not sat on the podium despite making the podium. Correct. Sudden Out podium. of only four yeah. times. Yes, he's a 50% non-standing on the podium record. Uh, next is Red Bull. Yeah, that went well. Um, right, Red Bull's weekend was started well. Oh, no, it didn't. It started badly when they were told effectively to shut up and stop being so bloody stupid. I've used that word advisedly when they were trying to um, reopen the uh, the case against uh, Lewis on the first corner, sorry, the f- uh, cops corner at... Um, uh, the reenactment by Alex Albon was obviously very useful. They made a load of stuff up. Um, uh, Helmut Marco apparently divined the tea leaves, and the net result was stop it, stop bringing the sport into disrepute, effectively, what the stewards were saying. Yeah. And... Then there's a lot of doubling down, actually, and, and Verstappen was saying the same ridiculous things, just acting like an idiot. And so I was sitting there thinking, honestly, I just really, really, really am fed up with Red Bull and Horner and Marco, and actually even Verstappen, I wasn't fed up with until he just didn't grow up on it. Then in the race, you kind of felt a bit sorry for them, to be honest. You did feel at that point a little bit sorry for them because after the in, in the bowling ball um, uh, championship, uh, they took out Perez, who also blew his engine, and they took out half of Verstappen's car. And I must admit, I thought Max drove really well with a car that was absolutely awful. He didn't moan. He just said, I'll get on with it, see what I can get. He got a couple of points, it turns out, and I actually got... Uh, the, uh, most of the respect I lost for him at the start of the weekend, I got back by the end of the race. Still think Horner's an awful whingy git. Added by the fact he wouldn't take Toto's apology for what happened. So I just had it with Red Bull as management team. Let's move on to Mercedes. Yeah, Bottas absolutely 100% error. How, how, many, how many extra points does Bottas get for planting the orange on the two blues? Well, apparently, um, you know, it was all pre... Absolutely, I've read it on the internet and he did deliberately. He knew exactly what he was doing by punting uh, Lando at exactly the right angle to take out. I mean, honestly, it was a terrible mistake. It was a minor mistake with terrible consequences. It wasn't even the biggest. He just braked a bit late in the wet, locked up, and everything went horribly wrong at that point. We've all done that before. (laughs) We have all done that. And it was just, you know, and I feel very, very sorry for Valtteri. He did make a mistake, and he's got a penalty for the next race. Um, 
I suppose at this point we need to talk about the whinging that's come from both Ferrari and uh, Red Bull about damage. This is one of the unintended consequences of the cost cap and why I'm completely against the cost cap. Because you then stop people wanting to have ex you know, exceptions and, and uh, get out of jail free cards. It was not fair. That's damage. That's not, that shouldn't count. We should have that money out. And it just proves that you can't run an international sport at the, at the absolute echelon of everything um, you know, to say that they're going to have you know, some sort of you know, situation where it's all about the money is involved. So, you know, and, I, and I just got really, really, really annoyed about the um, the whole thing. Oh, someone's just uh, someone has found an item I hadn't seen earlier, which is uh, Lance Stroll did get a five pace penalty as well. So I hadn't seen that. that, that obviously, in so much information been going on, we missed that one. So Stroll did get done for his his crash. Thank you for whoever sent that information through. Must Appreciate be buried that. at that the bottom of my uh, FIA facts. Uh, yes, it was, it, they, don't forget that, that even after the race, they they, they pulled what five of the drivers up for various infringements um, of t-shirts and and where you stopped. So. Uh, I just missed that, so thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so Lewis Hamilton, who yes. you haven't yet mentioned. No, no I'm not talking about damage. Managed, damage cost cap, which managed to start the race as the only car on the grid and still not Brilliant. win. No, because um, I mean, there's been some oscillation about whether it was a bad call or not. It was a bad call. It, you know, they it would have looked worse if he'd got in the pits and nobody else had. Well, uh, well, yeah, no, it wouldn't actually, because they still would have had to all come in the pits at the end of the first lap and he'd been back in the lead again. The fact is, if he had peeled into the pits, he would have come out between fifth and eighth place, just because of the way that he'd been blocked by other people. Yeah. So he would have been fifth or eighth. As it was, he came out last and four seconds off the back. So it was yeah. a bad move. It's one of those things. It's the second time... Two more laps, he'd have won the race. Yeah, it's the second time that being the first person to get to the pit lane has caught him out. It caught him out in Italy last year with the, red, with the, with the closed pits, and it's caught him out here because they didn't know what to do. But it's, it's one of those things. And in fairness, as, as Toto said, it was kind of karmic that perhaps they shouldn't, didn't deserve to win that one. Uh, and obviously after, the, after um, Vettel got um, stopped, it was a, it was a kind of a, um, uh, a, a, you know, 18 points best you could get. So, you know, the interesting thing about Lewis was it, during the battle, with, I don't, did, you do, what, did you see the race, John, at all? During the battle with Alonso, it was very, very obvious that he was doing something you don't, you haven't seen from Max much. He was always thinking of the championship. Yeah. There were two or three times where, if this had been the last race of the season, he could have dived up the inside of Turn One. Say the same about Lewis as well. Wasn't interested. Lewis, Lewis was literally just thinking about the championship uh, in his battle with Alonso. Got past him eventually. And yeah, it was two laps short of winning the race, but you know, it's it's 18 points. It's a massive gain. You know, if he'd won in an ordinary race and Max had come second. That would have been a great result, but he actually gained more points by having an incredibly um, active race, coming second, being a bit disappointed about it, because Max only got two. So, in, in the championship, so, net result. So, just win. to go back, Stroll did get yes, a penalty, five place, yeah. by the way, for going yeah, on we the did, grass. Yeah, we did see that, yeah. yeah. No, McLaren next. Uh, yes, yeah, so Lando Norris also made no laps uh, because he was bashed at the backside by... Uh, Valtteri Bottas after a good qualifying. Danny Rick had some damage, nothing like as bad, but was just just kind of off the pace and eventually trundled in an 11th. So a bad weekend for McLaren. But once again, Lando looking a heck of a lot better than Danny, who really needs to put his finger out over the summer break. Haas. Yeah. Can we take Haas and Alfa together? Yes. If you have a chaotic race, you're a team at the back of the grid, you've got to capitalise on it. Well, they yeah. started off by taking each other out because um, an unsafe release of, of Raikkonen, which gave him a massive penalty, took out um, Nikita Mazepan. 
completely. And then you had a stop, a, a speed in the pit lane for Antonio Giovinazzi, and then you had Mick Schumacher actually driving pretty well, but having the slowest car there. So those four cars effectively were, until the disqualification of uh, uh, Fettel, out of the points, the one time you don't want to be, when six of the cut cars that would normally score points were there. So they both absolutely let themselves down massively. Unlike Williams, who finally had yeah. the, yeah, the, the, the toast land butter side up. And, you know, they've actually managed to get, get two cars, fully deserved. Fine enough, all that bad luck. The, the, the times when, it, when the cars have gone well, everyone finishes. And they finish 12th or 11th or 13th. And the one time they had a chance, they made a mistake. But this time, they got both the cars in. Nicholas Tifi in 7th, George Russell in 8th. It's 10 points. It's guarantees they won't come last. And there's a very good chance they'll come 8th now because it's very hard to score those points, apart from these crazy races, which Alpha missed out on. Um, I think we're all very happy to see it. Uh, George Russell drove very, very well. Latifi was ahead of him because of the picking his way through better. But interestingly, George was a lot, lot quicker. But it, yeah, it doesn't matter. The they basically came in next to each other and got a shed load of points. So well done to Williams. Alpha Tauri next. Um, yeah, sort of also rounds in the race, really. I mean, they did some good support work for uh, for Red Bull, both with holding up Lewis and also Pierre Gasly stopping off to get the fastest lap point from him at the, at the end. Um, you know, fifth and sixth, they'll be happy with that. You know, they got some good points. Again, not showing that kind of we're going to go to the front and beat people sort of element you saw at the beginning of the season. You still feel that if, if everyone ran, they're now that down to the sort of the sixth or seventh fastest team. But a good haul of points, and I think they'll be happy with what they did because they got both the cars through. And with very relatively little damage in the race, so of course, Sonoda did knock it off in practice. And finally, Alpine. Anybody who said they had Esteban Ocon win this race on their uh, sweep state was lying. Um, or threw a dart at yeah, the board. Yeah, or caught it out of the... Um, yeah, I mean... Always a big fan again, of Esteban Ocon. Exactly. You, know, you have to take... You, when Esteban's these things mom. happen, you have to take advantages. And Esteban Ocon won the race. He won the race um, because he got through into the lead through... Man, that just his way through. It's fantastic. And, and Esteban's had some bad luck, so he deserves yeah. some good luck. He was helped out massively by his teammate holding up Lewis. Um, if he hadn't held up Lewis, uh, then Lewis would have got both Vettel and Ocon very, very easily. He had a massive tire, tire offset. I thought Alonso was a little bit disingenuous at the end, saying, oh, Lewis was taking bad lines. But it was all part of the Alonso's PR that I'm the greatest driver ever, and he does it by trying to knock other people. The fact was, you can't follow through those last two corners at Hungara ring. And the fact was that Lewis got past him because he made a mistake in yeah. his braking, which he kind of kind of glossed over slightly that it was actually how Alonso's mistake let him through. The fact is, it's really, really difficult to get past. And they said, well, he must have learned something because he got cost science really easy. Yeah, science had about 17 lap older tyres than yours. So, yeah, all right, Fernando, you, you did really well, but don't ruin it by kind of boasting about things you, which had nothing to do with you. Alonso back to Red Bull to... Um, <laughs> Well, I'm sure you get a few. With few Christian Morner, sure you right? get a few cans of Red Bull. I'm sure he will. Uh, no, I mean Lonzo did really well. Espanol and it's nice to see um, new winners in a chaotic race. And at the end of the day, uh, it was a really. I mean, someone said, "Oh, I hope this one's going to be eulogised about the race." It was a really, really interesting race. Every lap was interesting. That's all you can ask for a Grand Prix. I, I don't think it was a great race. It was. It was. Uh, it was enthralling. It was thrown into chaos at the beginning. Your word of saying chaos and people who interesting to see who made the best of it and who didn't. Um, and yeah, I, I, I watched it and I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> so all good. Uh, into the break now. So lots of silly, uh, yes, silly yes. stories. Please coming read up. everything twice and look for the meaning behind it rather than believing it. Yeah, we'll be <laughs> back with Nick next week. Final piece of sports car news uh, with uh, visit caymanislands.com. Just hearing that Jordy Fannin uh, has been drafted into a Le Mans seat with GMW. Motorsports number 66 Ferrari. 
currently listed as Robbie Foley uh, and Thomas Nobar as the silver drivers, Rodrigo Salas as the bronze. So I am guessing that Jordy must be a silver driver. So he can't I think replace he might Rodrigo. Be gold. Right, so he's have to replace whatever. He'd have to, he'd replace, have to replace one of silver. the silvers. Yeah, absolutely. it's not going to be Foley, but, is it? Uh, I would doubt it. But Robbie's a um, BMW driver, uh, so we'll we'll pick up on that and find out. Congratulations to Jordy. Bad luck to whoever's lost their seat. We'll pick up on that next week, and we will be having our Le Mans preview, our Haggerty Radio Le Mans previews. Um, for prototypes and GTs. When's that, uh, Tim? Then next week, Monday and Tuesday at 8pm. 8pm UK time, Monday and Tuesday. Haggerty Radio Le Mans. Johnny Palmer, the voice of ELMS and WEC here on Radio Show Limited. Shea Adam and myself uh, with whatever we can make out of the 62 entries. But that's it for now. Uh, we're still talking Le Mans next when Paul Tarsi and the team... And special guests will be debating the motor in the motorsport corridors of power. The greatest driver never to win Le Mans. From Tim, Nick, Shea, me, John, Dex, and of course all of our guests tonight. Thanks for joining us. There's no time to explain. Uh, the Llama is planning a route to Birmingham Wheels on the 12th of August at 2pm. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.